0: Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name
1: is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger.
0: Today is uh, monumental, I would say. We're talking about another one of maybe one of the best games of all time. Uh, (laughs) You've already downloaded the episode. You've seen what it's called. You've seen the art. We're talking about Ocarina of Time today. I think before before we get started, just wanted to quickly reintroduce Into the Aether and the show. Like if you are new, which as our numbers are telling us, there are a lot of new people listening. <laughs> so a quick re- reintroduction. Into the Aether, as we always say, is a low-key video game podcast. Every single week, Steven and I come to the show with games that we enjoy, and that's pretty much the ball game. But once a month, we do these free bonus episodes. That's usually focused on a theme or an idea or, more frequently, one game in particular. And we will spend the month playing that game and then come and talk about it um, and ask for listener questions and things like that, which is what this is. Last month's was uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf, which was an interesting uh, format shift for us. But this is a more normal bonus episode for us as normal as <laughs> we're capable of being
1: in concept it's more normal yeah
0: yeah but it's worth mentioning that this is this is different than our patreon bonus episodes so our, our thing has always been as long as one person is ever back in the patreon whoever you may be the last person on earth back in the patreon we will continue to make bonus episodes um that are free for everybody but if you back the patreon at five dollars or above you get a bunch of extra episodes as well
1: so, yeah, most recently for that, we're doing a retrospective on the 3DS, which is coming to a tragic end soon, but. Yeah, which maybe is a good way of feeding into the game we're talking that's about true. today yeah <laughs> accidental segue exactly yeah. yeah
0: uh we're talking about ocarina of time um usually for these kinds of things we start with uh our, our history with the games et cetera, et cetera. mine is very quick so i'll just go first <laughs> when it comes to ocarina of time specifically it's very quick when it comes to zelda the larger i mean that's i could talk for hours and i guess we're going to but yeah. when it comes to ocarina of time um i've tried playing it multiple times over the years my first time trying to play it was on the GameCube. I got that promotional disc that you got if you pre-ordered Wind Waker that had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and I think Master Quest and also some of the 2D ones in there and a demo of Wind Waker. Weirdly enough that that game printed right on the front says not for resale and i sure did buy it used from gamestop <laughs> um it's hard and to find it's pretty rare right yeah, yeah yeah i don't know if i have it anymore but that was my first time trying to play it and i just bounced off as quickly as you possibly could and ever since i've tried playing it here and there i've gone back in and tried emulating it uh etc cetera, etc cetera. but the one that i always thought was going to work for me the best was the ocarina of time 3d release on the nintendo 3ds and i remember getting that right when it came out and thinking like, I don't know if this is for me still, even though they've added a bunch of quality of life stuff, which we'll get into later, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I don't know if I have Ocarina of Time in me. As much as I love Zelda, as much as I love all the other ones that I've played, um, I don't I don't know if I can go backwards and play this one. So every once in a while we do a bonus episode that is like homework adjacent which is never (laughs) it's never bad i always like doing it i feel like the one that i always point to is chrono trigger where it's like that's a game i really never thought i was gonna play or finish and now it's like one of my favorite games ever and i i knew that if i gave ocarina of time that kind of treatment if i said i'm really gonna sit down i'm gonna push past as far as i've ever been and like finish it i'm going to halo 3 finish the fight i'm gonna (laughs) do it then I would probably love it. And the answer is, yeah, I I loved it. I played it on the 3DS. That's the version that I decided to go with. Um, I played it. I played the 3DS version on the 3DS. I want to make that clear as well. And it was well worth it. I'm glad I did. And honestly, ever since finishing it a couple days ago, I've gone back and tried emulating it a little bit. And I also played it on the Nintendo Switch, Nintendo online subscription thing. That version is fine, to be clear. If that's the only way that you can play this game, that version is fine. You can play the whole thing. Like, yeah, go do it. It's one of the best games of all time you should play Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo Switch if you can but if you have access to the 3DS or something that can emulate the 3DS you should you should play the 3DS version because it's great
1: yeah I, I I'm really happy with, with this remaster I guess remaster sometimes feels like the grocery store equivalent of all natural where it's like it's always like what yeah. does this exactly mean like legally I, th-
0: I think this is a remake I think I think this, this yeah. seems to be a ground-up remake of Ocarina of Time
1: it, it's an interesting remake though because it's a remake in the sense of preserving the original work like, as closely as possible like there's some tweaks yeah. here and there it feels like the the closest comparison would be the shadow of the colossus remake uh, for ps4 mm-hmm. where like both of those games are like about as one to one as you can get but like there are little moments of like we can make this a little better <laughs> like, yeah right <laughs> like it's like we want to preserve the original work but like we, let's let's fix the water temple a little bit um, <laughs> right so I guess you know my my history with ocarina um, ocarina time was my first Zelda game uh, and I played it around the same time I played Final Fantasy VII, so <laughs> very formative years for me. And yeah. I'm not alone. I think most people around our age, if you grew up in the 90s, you got hit by one of those. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, and if you dodged both of them, chances are you're you're pulled back in by one of them now. Hence this episode. Hello. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Akranzheim was my first Zelda game. I remember the first time I actually played it, though. And I might have mentioned this in our Breath of the Wild bonus, but the first time I played Ocarina of Time was in my orthodontist waiting room. And they had an (laughs) N64 in the lobby, which was honestly really cool. But it was in like, it wasn't just like a loose wiry mess it was was like 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 it
0: was like a toys r us display
1: unit kind of thing yeah it almost had like a it was like an arcade booth almost um not i guess more of like an arcade stand whatever yeah but uh there was a n64 there and originally the game was goldeneye but parents started to complain because it was a little too violent which I kind of get so they switched it to Ocarina of Time which is a really bizarre game to get bits and pieces of while (laughs) waiting in an orthodontist office and what's funny is like there was just like a save file kids would just like open so I I think when I shared this I compared it to uh, Twitch plays Pokemon where it's like right you know children in an orthodontist office play Ocarina of Time because but even (laughs) everyone getting braces plays Ocarina of Time I just remember it was like there was a same file that was decently far into it and i remember being like nine years old and i think the game had been out for a year already because i think it came out in 1998 Mm-hmm. so but i just remember playing it and being like what is it felt so mysterious and so open and, and big yeah and i remember like the, when you open the safe file, you you would just be in the temple of time so kids kept just like going back and forth in time and like i would see the re in the hyrule market and then the market was actually happy again and i was like mm-hmm. this game is like you know rem- at the time too like that ocarina of time was maybe one of the more open games before open world became like a you know common term yeah so i was just like mesmerized by it and I remember I can't remember if I played it before or after FF7 but like they were close enough that both of those games were monumental in reshaping my definition of what a game could be as a work of art basically Mm -hmm. and all these years later I still think of these two games obviously we've come a long way in, in other aspects and like games continue to push the boundary of like what is possible for a game to do as a storytelling device what is possible mechanically but I think FF7 and Ocarina still have a magic to them even if you you didn't have that foundational experience there's still something about ocarina of time that feels like a a really like special gem of a moment so eventually i got it and i just remember like similar to ff7 i never wanted to beat it i never wanted it to end so i would play up until water temple ish in the adult timeline yeah and then i would just start a new game and even more than that, like, I, I rarely was, like, I, I wanted to get to Adult Link as quickly as possible just to have more options. Mm-hmm. But, like, once I got there, I was, like, very open to just hanging out in the world. Like, I loved just, like, riding a Pona around and, like, hanging out by Hyrule Lake and, um... Or Lake Hylia, excuse me. It just felt so alive, and I loved being in that world. That's actually why I think I loved Majora's Mask as well, because Majora's Mask was sort of like, what if the Biggeron quest was everything? (laughs) Like, what what if this whole game was just a bunch of side quests, and it was even weirder, and like, in some ways, more lived in? Uh, even though the world is ending in three days. So since then, like I've pretty much played every Zelda that came out after that. My my initial hesitation with Zelda was because Ocarina was my first, it took me longer to get into the top down Zeldas because mm. it didn't have like what I associated with Zelda, which if, if you're coming from the 3D Zeldas, I think like the tone and atmosphere and just for lack of a better word, the vibes of it are are extremely different from the top down ones, which are, I think yeah. are a little bit more gameplay focused. Yeah. So that's overall my my brief history with the series and with Ocarina in particular. But it's become a game that I would play it pretty much every year. And I think this is the longest stretch of time I haven't played it. I started a, a save file on the 3DS version of it, which I played for the first time like a year ago. Mm. And I finished that playthrough for this episode.
0: Nice. That's exciting. Yeah. My yeah. uh my, my quick history with Zelda the first ones I ever played, I, I, don't, I don't think I could really nail it down, but I it was either Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance or Minish Cap on the Game Boy Advance. It was like my first experience playing Zelda, having heard about it, you know, forever, obviously, and didn't beat either of them. And I think still haven't beaten either of them now that I think <laughs> about it. Um, But the first one I did play all the way through was Twilight Princess. I got a Wii the day it came out with Twilight Princess. um, And my dad and I took turns playing that game. Uh, we each had a save file. Uh, making our way through. I was Link and he was Blink, uh, which <laughs> I always thought was really funny. And that's the first game he's ever beaten, and I, maybe also the last game he's ever beaten. I don't know if he's ever
1: played. He's a Zelda be- fan, right?
0: Yeah, he plays all of them, but I don't think he's ever finished any of them except for Twilight Princess, Got um, it. which is interesting. Uh, but anyway, Twilight Princess kind of opened up my eyes to the idea of what Zelda could be. Uh, and made me want to go back and play the other ones, which I have to varying degrees uh, ever since. But honestly, it's weird because I, I think Zelda is one of the more It's one of the more influential games in my life or franchises in my life. Like I, I think the way a lot of people feel about it, like it feels larger than life. It feels like, you know, kind of this perfect idea of what a video game can be and should be in some ways. It's the reason every time a new one comes out, like everyone loses their mind, even if they're not as good as Breath (laughs) of the Wild, it's still like it, it has the potential to be as good as Breath of the Wild every time. And a lot of that, I think, comes from Link to the Past, obviously, but more so from Ocarina of Time. I think Ocarina of Time was such a huge deal that like even as someone who never finished it or played it it was always looming over everything that i was playing and doing like knowing that i'd never had the ocarina of time experience but hearing about it from so many people was like this is really special and even i even found myself playing other games and comparing them to ocarina of time having not played it because like (laughs) it's such a part of like the culture of playing and enjoying video games you can't help but find comparisons to ocarina all the time so when games like okami come out or the Darksiders series or whatever. It's like every review of those games is like, oh yeah, it has the best moments of Ocarina in it. It's like, oh cool. Yeah. I know what they mean. Having not played that even,
1: which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like a modern equivalent would be like Dark Souls one. I feel like you just hear that so often that like, even if you haven't played Dark Souls, it's like, That comparison is like permanently etched into everyone's minds. Yeah. The irony of that,
0: at least my big takeaway from, or one of my big takeaways from playing this is Dark Souls is so much like Ocarina of Time. (laughs) It's amazing. It's amazing how much Ocarina of Time sets up what Dark Souls is so good at down to like even just certain control schemes. And I think that's one of the big things about Ocarina that's probably worth talking about. And I'm sure you have a a better understanding of this than I do because I wasn't playing it at the time. But Ocarina being the jump from 2D to 3D for Zelda as a franchise, this was like the era of that happening, right? Like they tried to make a Bomberman in 3D. They tried to make uh, Mario in 3D and obviously did a great job with Mario 64. But ocarina of time taking like an rpg a big adventure game that's like very open and turning that into a 3d space is like i have watched videos of shigeru miyamoto talking about that process and aonuma talking about that process and even hearing them talk about it in retrospect it's like it's hard to understate how important so many of the decisions they made became even things like locking on to an enemy when you're like strafing around them to fight that's like every game now like they yeah. just invented the language of how to do combat in a 3D space in the 90s, almost like on a whim. Like if they had come up with anything <laughs> else, that's what we would be doing now. And that's because of how influential this game is. And I, I I think that can't be overstated. And it's one of those things that I had heard again, had heard a lot. But until playing it, there were a couple moments in combat where I was like, this is Dark Souls. Like <laughs> and I know that I know that's like such a. That's such like a rote thing to say sometimes and that's a thing that people say fucking constantly about like every video people love to compare video against Dark Souls but like first of all Miyazaki and From Software have cited Zelda and Ocarina of Time as yeah. an inspiration for that franchise so this is not coming from nowhere but there are a couple moments in that game I'm thinking of like one or two early on in, in um, I think it's Dodongo's Cavern where you're like strafing around lizards that come at you and fight you one at a time and I was like this that's just a Dark Souls fight like yeah. these are just normal enemies in a Dark Souls fight and and you know thankfully the bosses never try and do anything like that they're a completely different thing they're a puzzle solving mechanic for the most part but some of the harder combats especially towards the end of the game which i don't want to say too much i don't want to spoil anything until we get into the spoiler section but some of the combats towards the end of the game are like they can be tough in ways that I really wasn't anticipating.
1: I didn't even really remember that because I think when I when I replay this game, I usually for whatever reason, I don't replay it to see it through all the way. I'll usually get to like somewhere in adult links chapters and then mm-hmm. kind of move on to something else. So I have like childhood link is like memorized. Okay? <laughs> I yeah. have all of that stuff like it's like muscle memory at this point, which is why I think I've, I've grown to force myself to love Jabba Jabba's belly, even though it's like objectively not fun. But uh yeah, I I forgot how challenging some of the fights are and specifically, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. I mean, I think without getting too into it, like the Ganon fight and the Iron Knuckle battles are yeah. very from software. Yeah. And like even just the rhythm of it, like the rolling, the like waiting to attack, and this this game has a lot of like you have an opportunity to strike at a very specific time, mm-hmm. which is like the guiding principle of every from soft boss battle yeah it's like know when to strike right and even you know using in a weird way the uh the jeku nuts reminded me of stuff like from Sekiro, like using those items to like get in a hit really mm-hmm. quick um, yeah there's definitely i mean it's interesting too i mean you, you can you can see zelda's influence in almost everything but i think it's interesting to see what chapters in Zelda have influenced what kind of games cuz i feel like you look at Zelda 1 as sort of the primary blueprint for something like Binding of Isaac and a lot of like roguelikes specifically yeah. and a lot of you know like dungeon crawlers and then you look at stuff like Ocarina and it inspires things that are like not you wouldn't immediately assume Zelda even though they're like related in a lot of ways yeah i do i do think that double
0: hit of Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time is almost like the birth of what I would consider to be like the PS one to PS two era platformers. Yeah. The ones that are like like the first Jack and Daxter or like Sly Cooper or something that are like a little bit more story and adventure focused and have a little bit more open spaces to explore, but are still platformers at their core. Like that feels like a perfect marriage of both of those games. It's so wild. It's so wild to play this game. Having heard about it for so long and having played like all of my favorite games are inspired by Ocarina of Time. It's so wild to go back and play it.
1: I mean, especially if your first Zelda was Twilight Princess, it's kind of like watching Force Awakens before New Hope where it's like, yeah, (laughs) that, that game is so interested in ocarina of time in a lot of ways like yeah. it definitely works as a standalone game but i think there are a lot of narrative things where that game very much was ocarina 2 in a lot of ways yeah it is it feels literally like i mean i guess that's what majora's mask was supposed to be but it feels like
0: the shadow of ocarina of time in a lot of ways and and i think is like trying to do that very literally at times as well
1: it's interesting to think back to the sentiment at the time because i i read nintendo power as a kid and mm. i remember after ocarina came out then was majora's mask and then was wind waker and both of those games are pretty dramatically different in like yeah. all ways uh-huh and i think there was like an appetite for just do ocarina again like mm-hmm. what is with this weird nightmare before christmas pixar stuff like give us <laughs> for the record wind waker and majora are like all-timers for me but the, the readership in the late 90s <laughs> in Nintendo Power, the, the initial response from some hardcore Zelda fans is like, we just want to see more of that one, you know, do that again. And ironically, I think Majora's Mask and Wind Waker have in some ways aged better. Like, I love Twilight Princess, but I think that Majora's Mask and Wind Waker still feel so fresh and so unique. And Twilight Princess can sometimes get buried legacy wise amongst the other ones it kind of goes back to what we were saying about like games that cite chrono trigger as the influence and they're sort of purposely retro rpgs if like your whole reason for existing is one game you know you're going to constantly be in comparison to that one whereas i think majora and wind waker purposely like let go of the past I'm like no we're just doing something different now like completely different mm. and i think that that has helped those games you know stand the test of time a little bit better
0: yeah my my dream i think was that the twilight princess switch port would have been announced by the time we recorded this episode because my i really 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 want to Replay Twilight Princess. I've been meaning to do it for years, at least since we started doing this show. I might just do it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a great game. Like hot on yeah. the heels of Ocarina of Time, it fe- I feel really compelled to play Majora's Mask, obviously, uh, which is another one that I just haven't played like really at all. And replay Twilight Princess. I'm like dying to do it now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's wonderful. I think I remember at the time feeling like I wanted Twilight Princess to take the Majora's Mask or Wind Waker approach of like the things that Twilight Princess is doing uniquely are wonderful mm-hmm. I actually think it lost a little bit of steam when it felt beholden to the past when it was like oh we actually have to do these things again because mm-hmm. I thought that all the new stuff with like the Twilight Realm and Minna and Zant like all that stuff really worked for me but yeah. I also haven't played it since I was a teenager so this might just be like Hot Topic 2006 takes I'm not sure
0: yeah I think I think that's gonna have to be a bonus episode one day <laughs> <and then laughs> it, we it will can, we yeah. can revisit that and I, I'd be curious to see if you're feeling strange about it because my my feelings about Twilight Princess are just glowing like top to bottom, I love that game to death. Uh and, and I, I think it's responsible for a lot of my feelings about video games today. Again, why I'm dying to replay it. Um which is why I was a little bit daunted to go into Ocarina of Time, you know, coming in being like, Yeah, I, I like the Force Awakens version of this. <laughs> am I going to like a new hope? Um, and the answer is yes. Uh, if you haven't played Ocarina of Time, if you're listening to this, you haven't played Ocarina of Time, you should do it. What I'll say just about my experience playing this game is that I I kind of, I would say, liberally followed a guide for a big chunk of it. I didn't give myself a lot of room to be lost. Like if I if I got lost for like more than 15 to 20 minutes, it was like, OK, I'll, I'm just going to look up a guide and see what's see what's next, you know, because one of the things about the 3DS version that I think is great is they have this like little stone that you can, like crawl into and it'll it'll give you hints about where to go you can play a certain song at a certain point and talk to somebody who will sometimes point you in the right direction then of course iconically navi exists and we'll just like chime in and say hey listen and then every once in a while we'll try and point you in the right direction
1: as well although in the 3ds one she'll often say like why don't you take a break and i'm like no i've got to finish this before a certain day to record an episode not (laughs) me thank you
0: (laughs) but all of that combined every once in a while i was still like i don't really know what to do here especially some of the side quests and stuff or like things that i could have just missed entirely had i not had a guide open for a big chunk of it but usually my move would be like in certain caverns or whatever i would walk in like in in some of the dungeons I would walk into a room try and figure out what I'm supposed to do in that room and if I couldn't eventually then be like oh, let's let's see what the guide has to say about it and I feel like in the spirit of the show and a lot of what we say about like playing on easy mode or whatever, totally valid way to play the video game. It did not detract literally at all from my experience. I rolled the credits on this game and got so sad that it was over and immediately loaded it up on the Switch to play it again. So like, <laughs> I feel very strongly about this game, even having followed a guide. And honestly, weirdly, I was I had your voice in my head when I started it over again, because as, as you literally just said before, and as you've told me before, you play this game a lot and you have the child part memory i flew through the child part the second time i've remembered every single minute of everything i needed to do even the side stuff even the hidden shit i remembered all of it and flew through it and then got to adult link again in like no time flat that took me like three days the first when i played it for this episode and then the second time it was just like nonsensical how quickly i made through
1: i honestly do wonder if because like, I feel like this game, this is kind of a silly thing to say because ideally all games are this, but I do feel like there's something inherent to replaying Ocarina of Time. Like it feels like thematically interesting to replay it. Yeah. And I wonder if this game, being such a staple of so many people's childhoods and so infinitely replayable, has contributed to the speedrunning scene of it at all. Like, oh, maybe. That, you know, it's like, oh, I had the child of memory. It's like, what if I could, like, you know, break the game to summon the R Wing somehow to like shave off a few more seconds? Right. You know, we could do a whole bonus just about speed runs of this game, you know, which I know very little about it. But yeah, that's one of the more unsaid things on my end is like, I would say
0: during uh, some of the the worst harder years in my life, my comfort thing was opening Twitch TV and just having speedrunners of Zelda games on in the background, usually Twilight Princess. But every once in a while I would watch Ocarina of Time ones because they were so short and it was so magical to watch people break this thing that I didn't even like understand how to play normally it was wild to watch people just fly through that thing so the, the way the way i described this game to you uh, i think a week or so ago something to the akin of like when you're home sick and you're watching a movie on tv uh and you like fade in and out of sleep and you like only catch bits and pieces of it but you kind of get the full picture that was my feeling about ocarina of time until <laughs> we did
1: this episode that's honestly um, a pretty good lead up to it. It feels like a fable or like a like a bedtime story you've only heard bits and pieces of, you yeah, know? Yeah. It has that kind of mythic feel to it.
0: The thing that I find interesting getting into the, the story of it a little bit, uh, or at least the vibe of it a little bit, is that it feels... I've started every Zelda game at this point. I've played like at least three hours, I would say, of every Zelda game. This one feels markedly different than all the others in a way that is really interesting and I'm surprised they haven't really tried to recapture it because there's there's a as much as these games are interested in the idea of you know I don't want to say reincarnation but like uh, repeating storylines and myth this game feels like playing a myth whereas the other ones feel like you are following like a a line of destiny in a way does that make any sense at all like I, I feel like when I play like Wind Waker or Twilight Princess or Breath of the Wild, even there's this idea of like, oh, yeah, you're the you're the hero of time. You're a reincarnation of this person from long, long ago, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of feels like you're just playing a role for most of it. It, You know, it's a role playing game. Ocarina of Time feels like the myth that they're always talking about.
1: I mean, in some ways it is like uh, Wind Waker specifically. They basically like you. (laughs) And that's kind of why I love Wind Waker because Wind Waker is about like, what if Zelda Link and Ganon didn't want to be that anymore? You know, Mm -hmm. so like the first time you put on the green tunic in Wind Waker, your grandma makes you wear it for your birthday and you're like embarrassed about it, which I think is hilarious. And like, I really love Wind Waker for its, you know, it's not trite in its references. I think Wind Waker is really a deconstruction and is is sort of reevaluating Zelda and and what it means to be like a reincarnation of the past. Mm-hmm. But I think Ocarina having the confidence to be a standalone story or myth. Like it's not like obviously there are Zeldas that predate Ocarina, but it's not referring to Link to the Past or the first Zelda or Zelda 2. Like it's just its own story. And I do wonder if being maybe a little bit too referential to like Zelda history and the other ones makes it feel less like a standalone thing. It's inherently bad. Like I think, um, Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild, especially, I do think benefit from being like nostalgic games. You know, Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild is all about like what happens now when the story already ended. Right. And Wind Waker has a, an element of that as well. Like both of those games are about finding hope in face of failure, which I think is beautiful. But yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right that Ocarina and Majora too, but Majora's mask also feels kind of like a reflection of Ocarina. So in some way, you could argue that almost every 3D Zelda has been about Ocarina in some conscious or not angle. Yeah. Whereas Ocarina is about like life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not pulling from Zelda. It's like pulling from our imagination and our experiences. And and really, I mean, we'll get into this, but I think it's a game about loss, not to dig too deep. I think it's in the text of the game that's it's, it's a game about what it means to grow up and and what's gained and what's lost by extension of that. Which is something I think Everyone on Earth can relate to, which is why I think this is a game that everyone should play. I think you're gonna. There's enough in the game that it works as a story, but I think you will attach your own emotions to the themes the game is exploring, and that's going to make it feel really personal to you. Yeah, I I totally totally agree, and I I think maybe
0: that like richness thematically is what I'm lingering on when I say that this game feels like the myth that all the other ones are harkening back to in a way. Um, yeah because the the themes aren't really even subtext in this game they are in they're very frequently the text yeah you know even down to the mechanic ability to travel back and forth in time as a young or adult version of yourself but thinking about other Zelda games outside of breath of the wild which even arguable what themes that game is going after, I think, in in certain cases. I, I don't really play these games and walk away from them thinking about what they're going for thematically. Uh, it's more kind of surface level narrative or, again, hearkening back to the mythos of Hyrule in general and the history of Hyrule. A Hyrule Historia, if you will. Um, <laughs> But Ocarina of Time is so, so interested in having something to say and is constantly saying it in a billion different ways. Mechanically, narratively, through dialogue, everything under the sun is aiding this larger idea that Ocarina of Time kind of wants you to walk away from it uh, carrying. And I, I wonder if it kind of interesting to think about Zelda as like a franchise, uh, specifically the 3D ones, because I feel like for a franchise that is constantly trying to reinvent itself and constantly trying to almost, I don't want to say one up Ocarina of time, but is at least like trying to always capture that spirit for a new generation. Yeah. The one thing that's usually missing now that I've, now that I have finished Ocarina of time is that thematic link. Is that like core concept that they're going for, which again, I don't want to get too into without talking about specifics in the game, but I wonder if that's why outside of Ocarina of Time Breath of the Wild is the other one. I think that a lot of people, like even outside of, I I would say, like the community of people who are usually buying Nintendo consoles and playing Zelda games, I wonder if that's why everyone's connecting to that game on on a kind of more personal level than usual.
1: Yeah, I also think Breath of the Wild is much more It's similar to the design by subtraction rule and stuff like Shadow of the Colossus and Eco, where like, while there's plenty of like open world busy work to do, I think the moments that most people would cite from Breath of the Wild being like special to them are those quiet moments you find organically. And I think just, you know, I think breath of the wild has really great characterization like i think the cast is great which is not something you often say about zelda because usually it's more like allegorical but i love like the fallen champions i loved all the memories with zelda and mm-hmm. i think how zelda is personified especially i think is really strong in breath of the wild but i think like just the telling of this world felt again ganon a hundred years ago but your primary experience being there is positive or beautiful yeah that alone on an unconscious level or subconscious level is is strong storytelling yeah like allowing you to just enjoy the company of of these townspeople who are all doing their own thing that is one thing i noticed i i played a little bit of breath of the wild after finishing ocarina because a lot of our questions were sort of about both of them Mm. and something that stood out to me is just standing in a town. Like if you stand in Hyrule Market, you know, there's a lot of busyness, but it's all kind of in orbit of the player's perspective. Yeah. Uh whereas in Breath of the Wild, people don't give a shit. They're just doing their thing. Like, you know, they just <laughs> and, and and because of that it feels so alive. And the seamless world to the fact that there's no very rarely, unless you're going into one of the shrines, everything is connected. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think a game that's about finding comfort and ritual in a world that like that is that is sort of haunted by tragedy i think that is a comforting experience to have you know i I think that's a really powerful message yeah and that doesn't have to it's not even really like it's said out loud but i think it's also communicated within the gameplay which i think is always the sign of a good game if if the narrative is also interwoven within the mechanics
0: right yeah like if if the if the theme of that game in one sentence is Life goes on, right? Yeah. The, even what you just referred to as standing in the middle of a town and watching people just kind of exist, whether you're there or not, that serves the theme, you know, it's yeah. like stuff that simple, um, can, can aid the theme in that way. And I think, I think Ocarina of Time is so, is so Dark, but dark in a way that feels realistic to the lived experience of everyone who has grown old. You know, like everyone who was a kid and then isn't anymore, uh, I think will relate to this game on a pretty wild level. And I, I, one of the things that I find so interesting about the way Ocarina of Time like popped off and became such a huge deal is all of these people with really strong nostalgic links to this game, uh, pun unintended, um, <laughs> who played it as kids... Revisiting it as an adult, I'm sure, is a wild experience. Oh, because, it is. Because yeah. as a kid, I don't I don't think you're gonna fully appreciate what they're going for thematically, probably. But when you're an adult and you go and you play this game The experience of traveling back and forth through time as a kid and as an adult and seeing the same world through two different sets of eyes with two different lived experiences and and the ways in which you're treated by the NPCs in the world based on how old you are. Like, it's all fascinating It all aids this theme. And the way the game wraps up in general, I think, is like it's satisfying but it's also deeply sad at times. And and the more I've thought about it over the past couple of days since finishing it, the more I'm like, man, I can't believe that Ocarina of Time might be the saddest Zelda game. Even sadder yeah. than the Hot Topic Twilight
1: Princess energy. Yeah. wait, I mean, wait till you play Majora's Mask, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I know what you mean. I mean, the thing about Majora's Mask is that it's more surreal. I think that while it's definitely heavy and I mean it is the direct sequel. So like we do like that kind of question you're left with at the end of Ocarina is kind of answered in Majora's mask in a way that you probably don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> And, but I think because it has such an Alice in Wonderland energy to it, it's not as personal. I think as, as Ocar- Ocarina feels relatable in a way, despite being a fantasy story, like you can kind of see bits and pieces of your own life just in the way you know, the beats of Childhood Link's story and then the transition to adulthood. And like, you know, in in the game, he loses those seven years. But like, if you're older than like 25, like, you know how fast that goes by. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's kind of a fun thing the game does is like, it really does, time does go by that quickly. You might as well have just slept in the Chamber of Sages for seven years. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, I think going back to what you said about playing it as a kid and now as an adult, I just remember as a kid, like, you couldn't wait to get to adult link that was like i can't wait to get the bow instead of the slingshot i can't wait to like you know fight ganon and and
0: because that's the i mean even looking at i don't know if this is still prevalent now in marketing but i'm thinking about like the marketing of toys and snacks and things on nickelodeon and cartoon network and wb kids when when we were younger in like the you know late 90s early 2000s a lot of people in the marketing industry in that era have talked pretty openly about this but you always want to cast kids in those commercials who are like two or three years older than your target market right because kids can't wait to get older
1: yeah so It was like cool to be adult Link and everything felt like bigger and better when you were an adult and playing it now. It's like, oh, don't grow up. Like, stay here. It's not
0: worth it, you know? Um, But even that gets flipped later. We'll talk about it later. But even that gets flipped. Even that idea that like, oh, when you're a kid, everything's cool. totally gets turned on its head in one of the later dungeons.
1: I think I really love both sequences of the game. And I mean, I, I still really love the childhood parts because I know them so well. And, uh, you know, there, I, I think the closest comparison, like what the time skip accomplishes narratively. Cause I kept thinking about Chrono Trigger, which is, you know, all about time travel. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like all the best games of all time have an element of time travel in them. But then I was like, this is more one-to-one with dragon quest five. I would say where, you know, Dragon Quest five is, is not about time travel, but it's following the main character's life from a young kid to an adulthood. adult with yeah. his own family. and, Ocarina of Time feels more akin to that. I honestly think more games should have time jumps like this. I think it's a really interesting way to tell a bigger story without having too much padding. Mm. Um the games that I've played that have time jumps almost always benefit from them. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think it's that simple, but I just think about like, you know, uh Three Houses. Three Houses, Ocarina of Time. Um, I'm sure there's other ones, but both those games are pretty good. So Blinks I'm the something. Time Sweeper. <laughs> i just think there's something about covering a wide like length of time and actually a pretty concise amount of time that's really impressive to me mm. like even in like tv series or any medium where you get like the whole scope of someone's life in like a pretty digestible sitting i'm always impressed by that
0: yeah, yeah. so i
1: think i kind
0: i i think i want to get into
1: specifics yeah i think Do you have so.
0: anything else you want to talk about before we get um, out of here
1: I'll say that, so, I've just gone back to thinking about, like, where I'd recommend playing this. Um, Mm. I played it a lot on the original n64 for whatever reason the n64 is like i think it's because my n64 is not in great shape right now and it's also kind of like a a pain to set up and like you know with modern tvs to have it like look okay so i would say like again if you if all you have is a switch you can play it there i would recommend the 3ds version i would say it's like the definitive way to play it at this point uh that might be a hot take but I, i really really loved it on the 3ds coming from a lifetime of playing on the N64. I didn't get a chance to play it, but there's that Ship of harkanian like fan-made version yeah. that apparently is like incredible. Uh which is, you know, if you have a way to emulate it, that might be worth checking out.
0: Yeah, what I what I've heard about it or what I know about it is that it adds some of the 3DS quality of life stuff to the N64 version. Oh, that's like, awesome. That's the dream. That maybe feels like the no-brainer. Yeah, I will say the Steam Deck runs the 3ds version (laughs) and i won't say anything else about it
1: (laughs) that's pretty cool um another thing too is the 3ds version has the master quest part when you beat it which i didn't even realize that's amazing yeah i already said it was the definitive version and then it's like do you want to do master quest i'm like do i uh and then i started it but i'm like oh it's 2 a.m and i just finished the game maybe i'll wait for maybe yeah maybe don't immediately jump back into it yeah but Um, yeah i mean that's i i'm really really happy you enjoyed it so much i think if you're a fan of zelda or a fan of games as a storytelling medium this is like required reading i would say uh yeah. any version that sounds the best to you play it there i think you'll be happy you did it
0: yeah i don't think i truly like really i don't think there's a bad way to play this game i think i think you will still have the intended experience you will still feel everything that you're supposed to feel no matter where you're playing it
1: i'll also add i don't like other than some esoteric stuff especially in but like the dungeons overall are pretty parsable It's the stuff you have to do in between. That's like, how on earth would I know how to do this? Oh, I do want to talk about that a little bit, actually, before we move on. Yeah. If you don't mind. Because
0: this is one of the things I was most surprised by, is how obtuse so much of it is. I I guess not surprised by but I that was one of the things that I kind of knew about the game going in. But even in some cases, some of the things that you are required to do are so left field things that I never would have done. I feel like a lot of the nostalgia that people have about this game and a lot of the at least like the way I see people talk about it online as like oh it's not it's not as obtuse as you think it is it's not as hard as you think it is it's born out of people who either had the strategy guide when they played it as a kid <laughs> and either forgot about that or won't ever cop to it or B, kids who as most kids do have more free time on their hands than literally anybody else on the planet and can do I think what was intended which is talk to every single NPC in the entire game and eventually you'll figure out
1: what to do. There's some final fantasy one design. I I think there was this sort of implicit idea that because this was the first 3d Zelda, you're going to explore every nook and cranny, which like you still do. You still have that desire playing it now. Totally. But yeah, there is some stuff where it's like, why would I have gone there? And like, talk to that person now yeah but overall like thinking about this being the first 3d zelda i don't and you know i imagine the 3ds helps a little bit but you know i've played the n64 one recently enough and i don't i don't think it feels like the first 3d zelda like it feels kind of remarkably polished they got so much
0: right on the first go
1: even mario 64 which like definitely is a miracle like how they interpret like they went from 2d side scroller to actual parkouring uh (laughs) super 64 is incredible but even that if you're used to like galaxy and beyond you can kind of tell okay this is the first 3d mario yeah I don't think Ocarina of Time has that, honestly. I I think it feels remarkably modern still. I agree. Even up until Twilight Princess, like, that's just how the game's played. You know, they they all kind of had that. The only thing is that, again, shout out to my personal favorite, Wind Waker. Wind Waker, I think, really made the combat, like, a little bit more interesting. You know, Wind Waker was the game that added the parry and, like, Mm -hmm. more moves you could do outside of just kind of attacking. And you can see the influence of Wind Waker's combat all the way until Breath of the Wild, which, like has kind of doubled down on elements of it. But I'm not really playing any of these games for the combat, but I do think making it more enjoyable has helped the series overall. Yeah,
0: I I do think one of the things that the series has improved upon since Ocarina of Time specifically is... Not completely, but mostly leaving the puzzle solving to the dungeons. Yeah, I feel like when you're when you're in the dungeons, obviously you're in there to solve environmental puzzles and figure out your way through and fight a big boss and get an item and whatever. But Ocarina of Time spends a lot of time asking you to solve puzzles in terms of like even just figuring out how to progress in the open world at times. You know, it was so fun. I had uh, it some friends over and we were just kind of hanging out in between uh a movie and a dinner reservation that we had. So I just threw Ocarina of Time on the N64 up on the TV and I was just like trying to play through as much as I could before today. And uh I was at the part where you need to bomb the Goron that's rolling around Goron City and he gives you the bomb bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, how on earth would you know how to do that? Like in what work? Because he tell. So first of all, you can bomb him in the wrong place and then he doesn't give you anything. You need to bomb. he needs to be hit with a bomb in a very specific spot uh, before he actually gives you a reward for it. And there's like one sign that tells you maybe kind of what you're supposed to do to get that guy to stop. But more specifically, you need to have bombed him incorrectly for him to tell you the right way to do it. And in what world does anyone even think to throw a bomb at this guy who's rolling around in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that stuff that, like that, that I feel like is a perfect encapsulation of like just a lot of the little things about the game. Like the first time you try and get the Helian shield is like, yeah, you could buy it. But if you know the exact right gravestone you need to pull at night at Kakariko Village's graveyard, when uh, the guy who runs the graveyard isn't anywhere near you, then you can get
1: one for free. Like that kind of stuff, you that, know, that I like a little bit more, though, because again, like buying it is like clearly you can an do option. Yeah, it's not as good an example. Yeah. No, but I know you. I know you mean. There's a lot of mandatory stuff like that. Like yes. getting the hook shot, I think is one of the bigger examples. Yeah, the that. hook shot is wild. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that that kind of stuff is like it, it's, you know, once you know, you know, and then it's a rite of passage. You just you have it within you. That's true. I yeah. was amazed how much I remembered of like the whole saga where you have to like hatch a chicken to wake up the, far, the farm owner mm-hmm. in front of Hyrule Castle. I kind of love that part. Cause it's it's the most like this is a fun memory from your childhood one day kind of yeah. moment. You know,
0: the, the thing that I found most surprising about that bit also is um uh, replaying it specifically is that uh, I forget the the girl's name. Melon. Um, yeah, the, she isn't there until you fuck up trying to sneak into Hyrule Castle the first time,
1: right? Which and is you like, hear her singing.
0: Yes, which drives me up a wall because I was like, when I when I showed up, I was like, okay, I need to talk to this girl and get the chicken, and she
1: wasn't there, and I was like, oh. Fun fact about Melon is that her like necklace is Bowser. She has like a Bowser. Emblem. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, like, but she's always covering it because she's singing. But when you talk to her, she takes. If you like look closely, it's just Bowser's face. That's awesome. Miyamoto loves doing like, or Nintendo in general, I should say. But, but I remember this being credited to Miyamoto. Either way, there are a lot of like Nintendo cameos in other games. Uh, I think the other one in Ocarina is if you look first person uh, through the window, Young Zelda is looking through when you first meet her. Mm-hmm. It's the Mario sixty four paintings inside the oh, really? Castle, yeah.
2: That's
0: amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, there's there's so much little fun, cool stuff to find in this game. But every once in a while, there is that thing that is like it's just gonna drive you up a wall, and you're gonna have to look it up. And that that I think is you know in in talking about where do you play this game, how do you play this game, that's kind of the biggest takeaway. I want to give to people who haven't played the game and find the idea of going back and playing Agra of time a little bit daunting, as I did before starting this endeavor. Is just don't be afraid to follow a guide when you need to. It's it's not gonna detract from your enjoyment. It doesn't make you any less of a gamer
1: (laughs) i was happy to see too that like there's nothing inherent to the game that makes it feel dated you know like i think like obviously some things are a little clunky but i think Mm -hmm. like if you're worried about can i play this today without prior experience with it i think there's nothing about the game mechanically that is like a deal breaker in the way that i think there are other old games that i love that i would say oh well maybe if you like aren't used to this it might be a bit of a struggle right Um, yeah ocarina is honestly a pretty easy sell Mm -hmm. um so yeah just just have game facts ready whenever you're stuck
0: i would recommend the one that i followed for the most part was um ign's walkthrough is great oh perfect yeah and will specifically call out in certain moments differences between the N64 and 3DS versions for people who are playing IGN. Oh, that's awesome. Which is really helpful. Um it, it was great. It was it was it was super helpful. So shout out to the guides writers over at IGN for that one. Uh it's great. Shall we take a break and then yeah. come back and talk more specifically about what happens in the Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time?
1: It's not really the it's the Legend of Zelda <laughs> Ocarina of Time. I would love that. Um so just a heads up, the next section will be spoilers. Uh this is the end of the spoilers free part of the episode
0: do you have an ocarina like do you do you have one like on a shelf somewhere i don't unfortunately if
1: i had one i would have been thrown out of school i think i would because i remember when majora's mask came out i literally started making my own masks in Mm. school and i tried to sell them like you can't do this you can't like (laughs) open a store but i would draw on like cardboard i would draw my own masks and like yeah so if i had an ocarina it would have just been the end of me i would have just been like a Mm. full-blown npc at school yeah well you're not in school anymore i was was thinking (laughs) about getting one is the reason i was asking oh uh i don't have one and that would be lovely and i'm an adult now so everything's good yeah i'm I'm, I'm considering getting one to put on a shelf somewhere anyway anyway i'll end with one more tidbit uh sometimes i like i don't know if you've realized this but if you move the control stick around when you're playing the ocarina it will change the note yeah and Um, if uh zr also zr i would uh I would often try to play songs that weren't playable songs, but songs just in the game. Um, Mm. And I got good at playing the Kakariko Village song. Um, What's fun too is in Majora's Mask, when you use the ocarina as Deku, Goron, or Zora Link, they have different Different instruments. instruments. Yeah. yeah. So I love playing, when I was learning guitar, I would often play guitar as Zora Link just to daydream about having a weird fishy guitar, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, let's take a break (laughs) and come back later. Okay. Goodbye. Bye bye.
0: Hello, we're back. In the spirit of this video game, we took actually a quite a sizable break between that. We took that last seven second. years off and. uh I got my ear pierced.
1: <laughs> I got my ear pierced, but I am wearing the same exact
0: clothes. I'm wearing the same exact clothes, except this time I have tights on and I
1: look exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio. I learned recently, actually, I learned in this playthrough that Adult Link can lose his clothes to a like-like. Oh,
0: really? If you the don't weird, have a shield?
1: Yeah, the weird worm-like uh, monsters. Yeah. If Usually when they swallow you, they'll destroy your Hylian shields. Because I always wonder, I'm like, why are why are all the tunics for sale? You just get them as quest items. Yeah, and uh, if you don't have a Hylian shield, they destroy like one of your tunics. Like my my Whoa. Zora's tunic got temporarily eaten uh, in the in Ganon's c- castle.
0: Wow, the game that just keeps on giving or taking or <laughs> <We're> taking. <laughs> I guess
1: taking is like likes more delete apt. your save data next. Um, <laughs> So, for this section, I think we were going to kind of talk through the major beats of the story and just sort of share our thoughts on everything. Usually, for bonuses, like we'll talk a lot about, you know, an individual game, but in terms of like recapping, it depends on the structure. This game, I feel like it is so perfectly paced and episodic that I think it will help guide our conversation if we just kind of go through it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's definitely the move. I I will say on the outside, before we even get into specifics, my method of play for this was like I would sit down and do a dungeon. Even yeah. if I wasn't at a dungeon at that point, I would get to the dungeon, finish the dungeon, and that would be my play session. And the next time I would get to the next dungeon, play through it, stop that session and onward and onward, uh, which was a great way of playing this game, honestly. Um, yeah, a really good way of doling it out. Um, but the hardest part for me with this game, as it's always been, is, is the opening of Kokiri Forest, because having never played the game before and not really fully understanding even what I'm supposed to do, that, the game opening up with like, okay, Navi shows up, talks to the Deku tree, who's like, go wake up this kid who's shivering in his bed alone and uh, bring him back to me. And of course, like the, the town bully in Kokiri Forest is like, absolutely fucking not. You're not coming through <laughs> here without a sword and a shield. And that process, getting the sword and the shield, I have never done uh except actually once once i did it but this i totally forgot how i was supposed to do it until until this playthrough yeah
1: weirdly enough that is one of the more esoteric parts of the entire game and people my age like i was eight or nine when this game came out i feel like everyone i knew who had this game when they were a kid or played this game when they were that age either you got fully onboarded yeah. or you didn't know what to do and you never played it again and like that was yeah. it. it was like a toss of the coin it wasn't reflective of anything it was just like that is one of the weirder parts of the game and it's how it opens yeah and i think what they're trying to do and i think what is successful about it essentially the sword you have to find so the kokiri sword is in this little area you crawl into and mm-hmm. then you eventually find it the shield you just have to get enough rubies to buy and that's like i think the harder one to grasp weirdly oh a total opposite for me oh really
0: yeah because i i can always get the shield and i could never ever find the sword i never knew where the sword was the shield i thought was pretty easy because you know step one for me playing any rpg or adventure game or anything especially knowing the era you know the n64 era and like game design from that time was like oh yeah i have to talk to everybody and eventually somebody will point me in the right direction which eventually leads you into all of the buildings that exist in kokiri forest of which there are four i want to say maybe yeah, five around there one yeah. of them is a shop and it has a shield in it's like oh okay cool i just need to get the shield and then you start to realize running through the grass jumping over ledges checking behind houses going climbing on top of stuff just gets you enough rupees eventually and then you can just go buy it and that that i've always been able to do i could never for the life of me find the little hole that you need to crawl through to get the shield and even i remember once playing this game not getting the sword because whatever but i i crawled in there and got lost in that little maze and yeah. didn't find the sword and was like, I guess there's nothing in here except more money. Oh and then no. Left. Um so the first time I ever made it through that part, uh, I was really upset <laughs> when yeah. I finally figured out where the sword was. But I do, I do think that, that that whole bit is such a little microcosm of the whole video game. Yeah. As you're saying. Like I think I think that it is, I get what they're going for, and I actually do think it works, but uh most of the time i've tried playing this game i just didn't have the free time to literally check every nook and cranny like that
1: i think what it does is like there's an excitement to that beginning like uh you know the energy of kokiri forest is very innocent and magical and like yeah it feels really big especially given this is the first 3d zelda and you're a kid in the game so you're like whoa like what is this place like what's going on all the characters are like in the middle of actions and the one person who's sitting down is like hey this is what z targeting is you know everyone's (laughs) kind of like giving you information one way or the other and i think it really does a good job kind of endearing you to that place like i think there's something very charming about kokiri forest and it feels sort of like Not to like close read too much, but I feel like the main areas in Young Link's chapters all kind of feel like stages of childhood. Mm. And this sort of feels like, you know, Treehouse playing in your backyard energy. Like, even the first dungeon is like, look at this gross bug I found under the the (laughs) rock, you know? Yeah. But I think there's a little bit like, it also does a great job establishing tone. I mean, that... That shot of Link shivering in bed is like really sad and yeah, I think does a good job kind of showing you the places this game can go. And there's a feeling that Link is sort of an outsider here, even though everyone's friendly other than the, the bully. That bully, there's like that type of bully in like all 90s media. I feel like <laughs> everyone had the same bully <laughs> like yeah. in some decade past. But uh, you also meet Saria, who's like your best friend. and I'm surprised that she's not more important to the plot. Than I feel she like that's is. the case with everyone other than I guess like <laughs> Zelda, but like everyone has less screen time than you think they do. They all
0: imprint on you like their importance and yes. and their character, and they're all so well written. And it's it's very interesting to me that Saria ends up not being a bigger
2: deal, but yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, she. I I just love that shot of like her introduction when you see this like bustling forest, and then she waves to you, and you mm-hmm. walk down. it's. It's, there's so many moments in this early part of the game. I mean, the whole game really, but like there, there are beats of the childhood that are hard to forget. Uh, and I think again, going back to the conversation we had before this section, like because they don't give you that much of any character, you can kind of project like meaning onto them a little bit. Like there's mm. sort of allegories, like Saria is your childhood friend or like, you know, your, your neighbor right. or, or someone who like, you just kind of implicitly know is there and like maybe take for granted even. And that's like, that part is not in the text. That's me (laughs) filling in the blanks. But there is something kind of inherently sad about her, especially as the game progresses. Mm. You know, I think like this is a this is a forest of children who live very carefree lives under the protection of the Deku tree and they never grow up. And there's a lot to that just thematically. I mean, obviously it's very Peter Pan lost boys kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it feels more innocent than that. And it also kind of feels like in some ways, like that idea that like these characters stay the way they are forever. For me, that kind of led me to think about like my own memories of childhood friends who maybe I've lost contact with or have grown apart from in one way. And it's like in my head, they're also still a little kid forever. Like there Mm -hmm. is, it's like, they're young forever because that's like the memory of them in some ways it's kind of how I've always read it yeah Um, I think there's also kind of a shire going on here like I think there's there's like in almost all like you know fairy tale stories or folklore there's sort of like that place that is like innocent and sort of a stand-in for a home Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I just think that Kokiri Forest is a really fascinating place it's also kind of Like haunted. Like you also have like there's like a danger in leaving, which, you know, is is also very interesting and almost like kind of Garden of Eden esque in some ways.
0: Yeah, that's what that's one of the things I find so interesting about Kokiri Forest is there is this like ring of protection that the Deku tree has created, which does mean that you can never leave, because if you leave then you age I guess you start to age and if somebody enters without a fairy then they die also so nobody can go in nobody can go out and it it I think maps pretty cleanly to like the classic kind of hero's journey yeah you know uh trope in a way and the inciting event being that that barrier of protection fucking dies. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it dies, and that, that that barrier goes away. And I think it raises a lot of questions, at least for me, about, like, what actually happens to the Kokiri after that. We spend a lot of time with them in the game, but I wonder, like, you know, 40, 50 years after the game is over, like, what what happens to the Kokiri in the forest? Well, it's
1: interesting because in the games, not to get too is all the timeline-y here, but mm. in the games that follow, we tend to see the Koroks, which are more like forest spirits than the Kokiri. Oh, yeah. So I just wonder if maybe like over time they become more like spirits and less like actual like Mm. people. Yeah, maybe. But I I think that might just be a change in design over time. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if they want us to read. That's the thing. A lot of this stuff like you can read a little bit too much into. But it it is like it's a loss of innocence in some ways to have the Deku Tree's protection gone. And then suddenly this place is just part of the world it's no right. longer this little bubble yeah and i mean that's very akin to just like one's worldview when you're growing up you know you think of your home or your town as this like isolated place from the rest of the world and then you see more of the world and you realize oh, actually it's all just the same place you know <laughs> right. uh, i think to the dictionary being the first dungeon i love this dungeon uh it's I, amazing I've, I've been thinking about you know as as i play this time I'm like what are my favorite dungeons which ones you know do i care less for which and which ones are my favorite and why i think the deku tree is such a great introduction to just like what to expect from that point on and also yeah. like again the first 3d zelda dungeon it really takes advantage of that one being this like really fully realized interior of a familiar place Mm. while also taking advantage of like the verticality of the tree. Like I love that, you know, as soon as you walk in, you see the spider web in the middle of the room and you're like, I know I can get through that. You know, I I love when there's like a big visual signifier in a, in a Zelda dungeon that you can eventually go back to. It's sort of like, like a super metroid style trick yeah you also get the slingshot which is great sometimes i feel like in certain zeldas you don't get the item you want first (laughs) and i feel like them giving you the slingshot right away is so nice like you want some ranged weapon at least i do when i play zelda um so either the boomerang or or a bow or something right away and i also i love the boss of this game because you walk into this big cavern and it initially there's nothing and you actually have to go into first person and look around and like make eye contact with this giant spider before the battle can begin
0: yeah i was gonna say i think i think that's kind of the brilliance of of the deku tree as the first dungeon is first of all you're introduced the idea of verticality from the spider web right and you need to actually think in 3d space which i think is you know that was a that was a big deal at that time obviously the idea that you need to run up to the top and then jump off to break through the spider web teaches you about that and once you eventually get the slingshot as well that that teaches you again to like really look around and internalize and like start to use the environment to your advantage. And then I, I feel like the final lesson, is is the boss there specifically needing to look up is is asking you the player if you've learned how to master the idea of looking around because again that's a new concept yeah by the time this game comes out really really smart i will say side note i feel like one of the reasons i would have a hard time or i have had a hard time playing the N64 version after the 3DS version, is I love the gyroscope on the 3DS. It is so wildly useful. I can't believe how much I love the motion controls in the (laughs) 3DS version, but having the gyroscope for the the slingshot and the bow and arrow and the hook shot and stuff like that later is like night and day quality of life
2: improvement.
1: Yeah. I also love how this game, I never really thought... Gave it thoughts. It felt so seamless, but I I love the focus on switching between first and third person. Mm-hmm. I never gave that much consideration, but again, considering this is the first 3D Zelda and how much the temples are are utilizing that idea. Yeah, switching perspectives is so effective, especially in the boss fights. Like I, one of my favorite boss fights that we'll get to later is Phantom Ganon, and like having to actually like first yeah. person look at all the paintings Very frenetically. Yeah, turn over so and over. Yeah. cool. Like I, I think the way that they kind of guide how you play in certain moments is is really well done yeah Um, but i i I love the deku tree and and this whole sequence you know the deku tree dying and then having to say goodbye to saria is heartbreaking yeah think that's the moment where you realize that that games can be art (laughs) weirdly it's like that moment of running away from sorry as she waits for you on the bridge and just like watches you go
0: mm-hmm. it's link turns around for
2: a second
1: yeah it's 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 yeah. i mean again like not that you can directly relate you know but like i think everyone everyone can think of somebody they've lost in that moment you know and that Mm -hmm. goes back to you know this game being about loss in a lot of ways and and obviously she stays a friend
2: yeah that's
0: what that's one of the things is like I love that moment and it definitely is undercut by the fact that you have to go back to see her like multiple (laughs) times and then she gives you a song that allows you to talk to her whenever you want like she literally gives you a cell phone is like just call me whenever
1: (laughs) yeah I think I think it's it's less that we're no longer friends and more like now it's sealed that like we're all going to live here in our own world and you're going out there and, and going to die you're doing you know? something <laughs> else yeah yeah you can't be a kid forever like us right she's she's representative of the forest and and youth yeah and exactly that. yeah and then you had played sort of the early beats of this like you're familiar mm-hmm. with this kind of setting but the next thing that happens is you meet the owl and you go to the overworld and this is where i think you can also get a little lost because before you go to dodongo's cavern there's like a few things to do is this where you have to be uh zelda for the first time
0: yeah 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 the the, the day Tree right before he dies tells you he, he gives you the the forest pendant and then tells you to go talk to zelda the um, emeralds yeah yeah and uh that process is that can be tough i think <laughs> that can be a little bit obtuse even by itself because the there's that whole i i would we've already alluded to it and talked about it a little bit but i i would almost call it a mini game like a stealth mini game where you have to essentially sneak into hyrule castle which is a uh it could be better, <laughs> I think, uh, but it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just it, the thing that makes it obtuse, I think, is more that the geometry of the world isn't like high def enough. And the camera controls are like essentially non-existent at that point, really. So you're kind of just at the whim of like trial and error for the yeah. most part until you eventually figure out your way through and into the castle. Once you get into the castle and you're sneaking by guards, it's a lot easier because the camera it's very oh, like almost, yeah. almost like Resident Evil where it's like it's just yeah. a fixed camera. You know exactly where all the guards are that you need to sneak by. And it's just a question of waiting and running. I
1: forgot there's also stealth before.
0: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: It's always hard to really your sense of when and how and, and why a guard is seeing you is still like all these years later. I still don't fully know. Um, yeah. But uh, once you're once you're going through the like sort of like garden area, I love that music that plays. And that that part always was charming to me. Hmm. Because that's when you also, like, once you get to the end, you meet Zelda for the first time. And I, I can't remember if Link to the Past, I know the Triforce has been in all of the games, but I can't remember if Link to the Past went into detail with, like, the origin story of the Triforce. I'm pretty sure this is the first time, you know, when we meet Zelda and she shares the story about, like, the goddesses creating Hyrule in the Triforce. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we're hearing about that at all in zelda
0: yeah i believe so because i think again not you can't really trust the hyrule historia <laughs> that much um but if i recall correctly link to the past takes place after this so right that has happened between skyward sword and i guess four swords and this
1: yeah i feel like ocarina is the game that like kind of made them have to think about a timeline because then they like the follow-ups were games that referred to ocarina so then it's, right. okay well when is all this happening yeah, uh, but it's all it's all I think it's more interesting if it is kind of looser. Like I think if you really tightly confine this stuff, it kind of loses more meaning than than not. Yeah, I I think one of the things that's, that's most interesting about this game, as I was
0: talking about before, is its relation to myth and its ability to kind of craft a modern myth and the other games constantly referencing back and forth between it in some ways gives it more weight and in some ways removes that weight for better or for worse, which is it can be a bummer, but usually it's it's for the best.
1: Yeah, but I've always really loved the way this game handles its own myth telling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a myth within a myth. I'm very drawn to this idea that, you know, Ganon, Link, and Zelda represent the three parts of the Triforce, which by extension are the three goddesses, Din, Faeror, and Nehru. And I've always found it interesting that like Din is not bad and power is not inherently bad, but like power... Without the other two just corrupts, which is why Ganondorf is always the villain. Yeah. Jumping ahead a bit, but I'm really curious what's going on in Tears of the Kingdom with that aspect of things. And like if for true peace to exist, there does need to be like, you know, harmony between all three parts of it Mm -hmm. because we're always getting courage and wisdom beating up power each time (laughs) um i think you know we only get this one scene with young zelda but it's another one that like heavily gives us a sense of her character and like in her absence you know in the adult timeline or you know so we perceive it to be Mm -hmm. uh we we feel her absence even though we've only met her that one time
0: yeah yeah i love i love that moment too when you look she asks you to look through the window to see Ganondorf for the first time and he turns his head and looks back at you so
1: good and and
0: and the two of them you know like frightened little kids just like duck out of the way and she's like did he see you did he see you
1: (laughs) it is I I never really read into this but I think it is telling that the inciting event of the adventure is a scheme by two children Mm. which is why it goes horribly wrong yeah it really gets (laughs) fucked up but you just sort of take it at face value like as a player but in retrospect it's like yeah of course this didn't work out this these are two naive kids who are trying to take on the world which is you know one of the themes
2: yeah
0: i don't i don't think zelda was fully harnessing that wisdom power yet (laughs) when she she concocted this this scheme
1: (laughs) yeah yeah courage and wisdom needed a bit more time very wet bandits in a way Next up, we got the Gorons with Dodongo's Cavern. What do you think about all this stuff?
0: I I want to I want to say before we get in there, oh, yeah, sure. Just uh, holistically, Hyrule Field I think seems to be like a contentious thing, at least in a lot of the like digging I've done about how people talk about this game online. People seem to be like not that into Hyrule Field. Really interesting. Yeah, I think just because it's like mostly empty for you know, there's like really nothing to do there except go to Lon Lon Ranch and like jump over
1: some fences and like swim in a river. That's true. Um, I mean, it, I think there's. There's just enough, at least in my opinion, there's just enough distance between places that like you're not there to be in High Rule fields. Like you're yeah. there to get from one point to the other. This is, this
0: is my feeling about it. It, it yeah. really, it just serves for me, at least it just serves to add almost like a cinematic weight to the idea of travel. Yeah, you exactly. Know? The exactly music, right. the, the changing of, of the time, you know, like watching, watching the time go by, um, as the sun sets and the moon comes out and like the enemies that pop up and stuff, it literally, it literally just adds to the feeling of the world. And almost again, I, I know this is almost like going back to the same well over and over again, but... The fact that it's empty and the fact that it's almost kind of obscured how quickly time goes by and all that stuff it almost feels more like symbolic than it is literal like I don't think of Hyrule Field as like a physical place that actually looks like that I think of my time traveling across it almost like running across a world map in like a Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or something
1: very much Hyrule Field might be one of those things that's harder to digest in our current understanding of open world games which I I don't think Ocarina is an open world game you know I think once you realize that Hyrule Field is not Breath of the Wild Hyrule, you know, there might be a discrepancy there a little bit. I will say though, Twilight Princess got a great Hyrule field. That's true. There's a lot of secrets. Lot do you want secrets. to use that that boogie board corkscrew thing to get a heart piece?
0: I sure do, Stephen. From Hyrule, sorry, from Hyrule Castle and Hyrule Field is when you go visit Hakariko Village for the first time. Oh yeah, which is fun. I like I like Kakariko Village. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird space. Um. I, I think the thing I, I never really felt like at home or like super happy to be there it feels a little <laughs> bit a little, feels a little bit constricted in a way but I love the music so much and the graveyard is so silly and fun um, and obviously like I'm very glad that there's a house filled with spider people who give me cool rewards
1: yeah um, there's a lot I feel like there has to be a creepy pasta about that family who they're like rich. <laughs> There's a rich aristocratic family that are all cursed to be spiders. And then like if you you think they deserved it. That's the thing. I noticed this time that like a lot of the spider gold spider tokens are in the shadow temple, which is like an abandoned, like torture chamber by like Hyrule's old government, basically. (laughs) So I'm just like, where, where's, is this like the result of blood money or something? Yeah. We're we're free. (laughs) Here's a big wallet. It's like, what is, what's happening? I want to help you. Super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I usually do at least enough to get the big wallet, because uh, having a, a limit at ninety nine rubies is pretty rough.
0: Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason to live like that. And honestly, I cut. Ca- I wish that there was a little bit more telegraph and that that was how you upgraded the wallet (laughs) Um, because it took me forever to get enough of those tokens to realize that that's that's what I was getting out of it Uh, because I kept I kept having 99 rupees and not having enough or or not having enough space to carry anymore and then I couldn't really buy anything and then by the time I eventually got the wallet upgrades I didn't have to buy anything anymore like there was really nothing to spend that money on anyway so i just had the top limit of money the whole time
1: yeah that's the thing i, th- I feel like the economy in some of the older zeldas is kind of weird like it's at some points i bought like potions and arrows mm. but at a certain point once you know where the fairy fountains are you can just like bottle up like a few fairies and be good like why would i ever need anything else
0: yeah and if you play certain songs to so those uh like rubbery statues they also uh like plop out some fairies that you can bottle up yeah very easily which is interesting
1: i think you're right to point out though that it's i don't think it's supposed to feel like home like i think <laughs> like as a kid it always felt like the place where like like your aunt lives and you have to go there every so often you're like i don't want to go here you know yeah. like it has that sort of it, it feel i mean especially coming from kokiri forest it feels like oh this is where adults live like, this is mm-hmm. like where the adults like like it kind of has like a child's perspective of like what society looks like, where there's just people like walking around and banging on things. So there's like construction happening, but it all <laughs> kind of feels like, you yeah. know, like over the top versions of mundane activities.
0: Yeah. And I, I love I love uh, you go talk to the guard who's guarding the entrance to Death Mountain and he's just like like you show him the letter from Zelda and he just like laughs at you essentially he's like he doesn't believe you at all that it's actually a letter from Zelda but he's like ah whatever go give it a shot
1: try not to die you know it's like he just sends his kid off to his death he reminds me of the guards in uh, Dragon Quest 11 where you tell them you're the luminary and you're like they just start bursting out laughing they're like that's the best thing I've heard all week like shake my hand like he's just showing up going like hello I'm the chosen one I'd like to see the king and they're like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i like the uh the happy mask salesman quest for that guard as well where if you give him the Keaton mask he just wears it for the rest of the game
0: yeah i did that's a weird thing I, i wanted to bring this up with you i did that and then i never got any masks or talked to the happy mask salesman ever again
1: Oh, okay if you keep doing it you get more masks and like help more people out and then eventually you get the mask of truth that I think lets you talk to Sheikah stones in a weird oh, way. Oh, why would you want to do that? I for, It's been a while. I I don't usually do that quest either. Even though I love the Happy Mass Salesman, I feel like uh, you know, the Majora's Mass Happy Mass Salesman is like the one. I don't know if it's the same one or not, or if it's like a doppelganger yeah scenario but um same character model at least yeah right? it's, it's the same character model but there's a lot of like purposely reused assets in majora's mask mm-hmm. either way it, it's never like super worth doing the way that like the big big Goron sword is worth doing yeah right um which i didn't do this time which i wish i did yeah so then death mountain and the gorons the Donga's cavern anything, anything stand out here for you yeah i love uh
0: what's his name darunia yeah he's incredible the king of the gorons yeah
1: um just
0: like you, you play you play Zelda's Lullaby to get into his room, and then this part honestly is like if you don't have the 3DS version, I don't know how you know to go all the way back to the Lost Woods and go through that whole thing so you can meet Saria, so she can teach you Saria's song, so you can go back and play that.
1: <laughs> it's it's actually not that bad. So, like, you play so those Lullaby to get into his office, and he's like, get out of here. Like, I am so busy right now. Like, I've got this to worry about. There's, you know, the crops are dying, and, like, there's this big dragon yeah. that I need to kill. And then there's a prompt to play the ocarina, and if you play any song, he starts dancing. He's like, nah, I want something that reminds me of the forest. And there's also in Goron uh, City, yes. like a direct shortcut to Lost Woods. But you can't get that until you play him the right song. Oh, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, you whoops. got
0: to play him the right song first so he can give you
1: the gauntlet so you can pick up the bombs oh, and blow up right. the way into the Lost Woods. <laughs> Either way, uh, yeah. But the, when you play him a Serious Song, he like dances and sings. That was the minute I fell in love with Durnia. Yeah, uh, it's an incredible moment
0: it's amazing and then he's like okay cool here's how to blow up, up stuff with uh, our cool like bomb flowers now why don't you go give it a shot go kill the dongo and uh try your best
1: it's interesting how they kind of pace out bombs as an ability because they give you the goron bracelet which lets you pick up bomb flowers so you're beholden to where when they're in the area and then eventually yeah. you get the bomb bag which just lets you have bombs whenever
0: yeah, I love that. It's a cool they idea. They do that in yeah. a couple Zelda games, and I, I it always works. I think it's yeah. very it's very smart every time they do it, and I get why they keep going back to that. Well, because that
1: way, like it's like okay, now they're teaching me exactly when I have to use these items, and then I can just use them whenever. Yeah, the Dungeons Cavern's fun. I I think it's it's I've always found it to be the easiest of them, which I think yeah, is really straightforward. Yeah, it's kind of nice, especially after like I think Dick Tree is like it's a little tricky for a first dungeon, but I think in a, in a way that like prepares you for the whole game. Mm-hmm. And then it's like kind of sad with the Deku Tree. Like, I think it also is foreshadowing where like you did the thing the game told you to do and it still didn't work out. Like right. you still weren't able to save the Deku Tree. The Cavern is like a really nice romp where like you're like, maybe I, maybe I can do this. Maybe I actually am capable of being an eight year old hero with like a <laughs> stick and a shield that's i love how the hylian shield is too big for you yeah so you just kind of wear it like a turtle shell (laughs) it's such a great choice yeah i love the goron city i love darunia i think this part too is like the first time you kind of have a sense of home outside of the forest and you know darunia calls you his sworn brother after that so to me this whole part is about like friendship and you know platonic love and all that yeah
0: yeah um i like yeah i like dodongo's cavern a lot um I found the boss to be absolutely infuriating. Uh, the really? first time I did it, yeah. Uh, am I th- am I thinking of the right one?
1: I, mean, I think you might be thinking of the dragon and the fire temple. Oh no, I'm thinking of the dragon. The fire yeah, temple, the dung. Yeah. This this boss is just like you. You better not throw a bomb in my mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, that one was fine. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, after the Gorons, we have the Zoras and Jabba Jabba's belly.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Were you uh, have you ever seen my favorite moment of the game, which is King Zora moving like slowly inch but inch? surely inch by inch on his throne so you could walk past no i i before this playthrough had never
0: made it through dodongo's cavern i don't oh, even okay. know if i'd ever made it into dodongo's cavern before got it so everything from that point on was totally new to me yeah yeah the zoro's domain bit with with the kings are incredible i loved it <laughs> i love that moment um <laughs> it is very silly that you have to do the diving mini game. like that's like a requirement and not just a minigame yeah you know, it's one of those things where again, you're a kid with endless time. You're going to do the mini game, so you'll you'll get the thing that you need, uh, which I think is the scale that lets you dive, right?
1: Yeah, it lets you dive a little bit deeper, so you get the fish that lets you. Uh or something. Something like that. Yeah. I think I think that's that's another one
0: of those moments. It's like, man, I, I can't believe it. Uh,
1: oh. <laughs> you need to put the fish in front of the to whale. to put the yeah. fish in front of Jabba Jabba. That's also something that I forget. And I'm like, how the fuck do I get him to open his mouth? Uh, yeah. yeah what do you think of Jabba Jabba's belly? I liked it a lot, actually. Yeah, a, me lot, too.
0: a lot more than I thought I was going to. Because the whole, the whole conceit is that you're going and uh, saving the princess of the Zoras. Princess Ruto, yeah. And her whole deal is like she's upset that you're even there. So she's like, I'll let you carry me out. And that's it. And it's incredible. If you ever leave her behind or put her down for too long or whatever, she'll just like kind of storm back to where you first met her. So you have to, you know, trek all the way back and pick her up again. But for the most part, again, this is another one of those ones. It's like really straightforward for the most part. There's like kind of like a branch, almost like a tree. There's like a tree of hallways that you can go down. But really, at any given time, there's only one or two doors that you can go through. Yeah. Which I think is pretty good. The only thing that tripped me up was uh, there's one door that you need to put Princess Ruto down on the switch to be able to go through it. And I was because the logic of that dungeon is that if you leave her behind, she leaves. I didn't understand that I could leave her there on the switch just for this one door. Like it, it, it breaks the rule yeah. in a way that doesn't feel like it follows the internal logic that they're trying to set up. But outside of that, I mean, it was really fun. It's a super weird space. Yeah, really, it's really gross, it is. <laughs> um, and I was really surprised at how gross it was.
1: Yeah, it's like it, it feels uh, like suggestive in an unsettling way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's not like a monster in Kingdom Hearts where they like mercifully don't make it like guts like weird right yeah they like, make it like weird abstract art in yeah. that game, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine if it was guts and riku's holding pinocchio it's like weird assault that would be too much Just covered yeah, yeah. Covered in <laughs> <slime>. <laughs> i came here for pinocchio yeah. uh, i I've, I've always wished there were more as all the dungeons that kind of have a companion because there there are two in wind waker that i really love that involve like actually switching back and forth between Link and another character. Oh, cool. And I honestly, like, even though she's sort of just, like, an item in terms of how she's used, like, I I like just in tone what's being established between Ruto and and Link and sort of her, like, Helga Pataki crush on Link eventually, which I love. It's very innocent, you know? It's very, like, uh, again, like, all these moments are, like, sort of uh, allegories for just, like, moments of growing up. Mm-hmm. um and like meeting someone who's like initially you're like repulsed by each other and then you're like oh wait this is actually just what a crush feels like i guess <laughs> uh is hilarious it's so yeah. I, I love when uh when you save her and she's like you know like this is the zora engagement ring so we're married now and you're like <laughs>
0: and swim away yeah, like l- l- <laughs> l- l- runs away yeah yeah
1: but by the time you're done with
0: that that's <laughs> you have you have all three of the stones you need to enter the temple of time which i will say was maybe the longest it took me to figure out how to do anything in this game. Weirdly enough, was find
1: the Temple of Time. I had no it, idea it, where it, it was. It is weirdly hidden. Did you also do, uh, in the while we're on the childhood, did you do the Lan Lon Ranch stuff? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I, I love I Lan love Lon, Lon Ranch. It's fun how there's just like two areas on the map that are just like, where the side quest villages? It's like Lake Hylia and Lon Lon Ranch, like yeah. the two optional areas. I
0: will say Lake Hylia is a thing that I pretty much did not do anything there at all for the most part um which i think like i will eventually replay this game i'm sure that is the thing i really want to invest in because i i didn't even know there was a fishing mini game until after i'd beaten the game
1: there's also a secret song with the scarecrow i don't know if you did that that um, i did do oh hell yeah the yeah, scarecrow awesome. song is wild that it's in the game and.
0: It's even more incredible that anyone knows where you're supposed to play it. So <laughs> if, you, if you have not experienced this, dear listener, the way the Scarecrow song works is there are two Scarecrows and one of them is like, play me a song. And you just have to invent a song. And he's like, cool, I'm going to remember that forever. Uh, and if you, <laughs> if you see my friend out there, play it for him. And the thing is, is that you never see his friend out there. You just need to know the exact places that you can play the Scarecrow song and then his friend will just show up and will be a spot that you can use the hookshot to attach to. Pierre, right? Is his Pierre, yes. Yeah. But I can't even imagine what it must have been like playing that on the N64 specifically because like you just you just have to make a song up and then remember it because it doesn't keep track <laughs> of the Scarecrow song alongside all the other ones where like you can go into a menu on the n64 and on the 3ds you can go into a menu and see all the songs that you've learned they do not do that with the scarecrow song so the guide i was following was just like just
1: make it the easiest thing you possibly can Uh, (laughs) i remember i made it the kakariko village song and then i was screwed i totally (laughs) forgot how to do it yeah i think esoteric stuff like that that's purely optional that just sort of adds to a sense of mystery i love Mm -hmm. like i love that kind of stuff about this game
0: on that on that note, the way into Zora's domain is when you meet the guy who sells you the magic beans. Also,
1: yeah, I huh? drew him all the time as a kid. I'm not sure why, but like in really? all my all my notebooks, I drew that guy. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah,
0: yeah. The ma- the magic beans, I had no idea what to do with for the longest time. I uh, I planted one right next to him, and that was like I kind of forgot about it for a long time um, until I was specifically looking for heart pieces at the end of the game because I needed to be Ganon. I just looked up a list of where all the heart pieces were, and I realized
1: that's what I should have been using all the magic beans. Yeah. On. <laughs> I I also love how they go up in price the more you buy them. He's like, These are really popular. Like, it's like, I I know no, it's I just bought me. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. It's uh, not supply and demand. <laughs> b- back in the day this of just renting me and you, movies, my guy. yeah, I remember. Um, I think it was Best in Show, but there was a movie that I had rented so much with a friend of mine that we asked the store manager if we could just buy it, and he's like, "No, this is way too popular." I'm like, because of me, like I'm the one renting it every week. <laughs> That's it's a popular movie, but like the scores you're seeing are entirely my doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny.
1: Yeah. The Temple of Time. Temple of Time. You go into the Temple of Time. I love the moment that happens like, so once you have all the three spiritual stones, which are from the Kokiri, Gorons, and the Zora, if you make your way to Hyrule Castle Market, the sky kind of blackens and you see Impa and Zelda running on horseback. Oh, yes. Or riding on horseback. And uh, Zelda looks at you sadly and throws the Ocarina of Time and it lands like with a splash in the moat. In the moat. <laughs> yeah, and you have to dive and get it. And then Ganondorf's there and he's like, hey kid, did you see which way they went? And you pull out your Deku shield and, and kokiri sword and he's like... Come on. Like, I'm not going to fight a literal child. Like, you got guts. I admire that. But tell me where they went. And then it just that moment is so great because you've had this. Like, I would say this whole childhood section is probably like 10 hours long, maybe a little bit shorter. I, I don't know how long it took you, but it's like it feels dense. It's a very like rich part of the game yeah and you've like significantly helped these groups of people you know with their problems and are being called the hero by many people and like as as the player of this game you're feeling more confident in your own ability and just seeing ganon and being like you're you're just a baby like what are you doing with pretending to be like you know this chosen one you're nothing and just blasting you away with like you know, a brush of his hand. I think that that's such a great way to set him up as a villain. Yeah. Because he's not even Ganondorf. Isn't even thinking about link as a threat until like maybe way the later. second to last temple. You yeah. know, he has one line where he's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't
0: have let you get so powerful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and even what, we'll, we'll get to the fight. I have a lot, I have a lot to say about the fight with Ganondorf, but that moment's awesome. And then you rush into the temple of time. You open the door to the temple of time with the three spiritual stones And in this haunting room is the Master Sword in the pedestal lit by like a single high up window. So just this like oh it's it's like the perfectly lit room for the master sword. I I, I love just the visual of entering that room every time. It it, it gets to me. gorgeous. Every time. The music is cool. It's yeah. <laughs> ten. Graphics are
0: ten. It's fucking sick. It's it's great. Yeah, and you pull out the Master Sword and whoopsie you're
1: Whoops. <laughs> you're <laughs> I think the first thing that happens like I always forget. It's like you pull it out and you hear the like <laughs> basically game over music and Ganondorf is like thanks kid now I'm in the sacred realm and I'm going to take the triforce (laughs) and uh you basically like were too young to inherit that power and you open the door for the bad guy and now he's in charge yeah Um, so you
0: get you get locked in the sacred realm essentially you just get like knocked out and you wake up seven years later And you have the Master Sword, which is great, but that also gave Ganondorf just
1: seven years to be an evil emperor. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't know this happened. So this is is a a surprise for you. This had not been spoiled for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I had not, I had not ever heard that before. Um, which I, I, I will say, I think one of the things that denotes when we're playing a game for the show, and I really, really like it, is when I am sending you pictures or screenshots of yes. where I'm at, like every step of the way. Um, which doesn't happen very often, but I feel like it did for like Chrono Trigger and Mass Effect and this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I had, ne- I had never heard that. Plot point before. It feels very Final Fantasy in a way I was kind of surprised by. Yeah. Um, and the moment that you walk out of the Temple of Time and you just see High Roll Market Square is like fucked and filled with re so scary. It's like so re- sad. Too. First I of mean, all, the re scream that they do when they see you is
2: really wild.
1: Can you imagine <laughs> waiting to get braces to that <laughs> just in the lobby? <laughs> and, and, and your head getting uh, covered by zombie. Have you ever killed the Redeads in Hyrule Market Square? Yeah, I play this song, uh, The Sun Song, and it freezes all of them, and uh-huh. then you can just attack them. If
0: you kill one of them, but not the other ones, the other ones don't attack you. They all just kind of crowd around the one that died. Oh, my God. I, I don't know, know what that, that
1: means. <laughs> that is even scarier. Isn't that wild? Well, that's the thing. It's that like they don't, I mean, until they're like grabbing your head, They don't, like, they disappear, like, in pain. Like, I'm not sure what their... uh, I haven't read the Navi description of them, or... I haven't like looked at Zelda lore about the rededs because there are some enemies where it will just say like, this is a Kokiri that went the wrong way too many times. <laughs> or like, <laughs> you know, what's merciful is that a lot of the recognizable NPCs in the market are relocated to Kokiri village. Yeah. Because I always, my initial thought was like, is everyone dead? But I mean, like it's implied that like, <laughs> not, I'm sure not everyone got out of there. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. I, yeah it's implied that most people are
0: dead. I think. Yeah. Uh, and that they might even be re jeez
1: yeah I, I think uh also does the visual of like death mountain like because when you first go to the temple of time there's this like really great like shot like whenever there's like a really important place the camera kind of zooms out enough to make link look really small and the temple of time with with death mountain in the background and they say that mm. the ring around death mountain is symbolic of like the state of hyrule so oh. when you jump into the future it's like burning red And like really scary looking. Oh, interesting. The initial transition to adulthood, it's kind of funny to think back to our conversation from earlier where like as a kid, you're like pumped to get to this part. And it's just like so haunting and tragic and sad. Deeply sad. Yeah. yeah. And this is also like, so this part is where the first thing you have to do is get the hook shot, which I always forget because I always associate temples with items. Right. And the water temple is all about the hook shot and eventually get the long shot. And I almost wish like you just got it then. Cause like getting an upgrade to an item sort of feels weird, even though mm. like it is cool. Like I guess you do cut you would need it anyway. It's it's tricky, but you have to go to the graveyard and race the ghost of the gravekeeper for <laughs> the hook shot. <laughs> Which like that is where usually if I'm doing a replay, I'm like, wait a minute, I need the hook shot already. And then I remember I have to do that. I yeah. always forget. It's like, the thing I always forget.
0: Yeah, deep deeply silly. Uh <laughs> that's the order of events. <laughs> But that that leads you into the Forest Temple, right? Isn't that the next thing that happens? Yeah, the Forest Temple is one of my
1: favorites. I I just think the, you know, everything we just said about Kokiri Forest, like going back there and seeing monsters is so sad. Like, just just, even though they're like this little vines, it's like Ganon didn't have, like Ganon has nothing, or Ganondorf, I should say, has nothing to gain by attacking this place. Like he's only Mm -hmm. being cruel. Not that like, it's condoning any of his other actions, but it's like, what are you gonna get out of attacking Kokiri Forest, you know? Right. And all yeah. the kids have to hide inside, and it's really like affected that this is the first place you go because, like, you had the sense of home that was taken from you, and and this sort of like understanding that you would you would not go back, but mm-hmm. now like the place needs you again, and it's it's sort of this warped version of what you thought it was, and I think the the forest temple itself is one of my favorite just like aesthetics of a temple. Like there's a lot of like doppelgangers in that temple. And even the boss is a phantom of Ganondorf. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel like the forest temple must have planted like the central vibes of Majora's mask in the developers minds. Cause it's like, mm. it feel like Majora's mask feels like what did the forest temple was the whole game, you know, just that unsettling feeling of like, just uh very Alice in Wonderland. I I, I like the, the mechanic of, like getting the ghosts to light the lanterns in yeah. the center room. I, I always love a, a Zelda dungeon that has like sort of a visual sense of progression because something that I think is my pet peeve is like, if I don't do a dungeon in one sitting, sometimes it's really hard to know like where I left things off. Yeah. And right. I think with the forest temple, it's actually, even though it's, it's one of the trickier dungeons to parse I think it's like effective in the way it's done and you can at least say like, okay, I'm done with this corner because the lantern is lit. So like now I have Mm -hmm. to do these two. But uh, the fact that we just had that moment as Child Link confronting Ganondorf and him being like, you're nothing. And then being like, oh, hey, thanks for opening the door to the Triforce. (laughs) And now he's attacked our home and this is the moment where it feels much more personal you know we've seen ganon do evil things to other people but this is the first time where it feels like it's been done to us Mm. at least that's how i felt and the fact that the boss of this dungeon that is all about like warped perspective and like mirror images is just like a shadow of ganondorf and when you beat him he goes like hey not bad you know uh you're i guess you're kind of powerful but like you know that that was just like a phantom i made for fun see you later (laughs) it's like at that point you're like i cannot wait to kick ganondorf's ass it's it's now it's personal yeah and and the fact that that boss is like a room of paintings where you have to like wait and see which one it's brilliant i think there's it is maybe the coolest boss in the game yeah we could have a whole i I could have a whole episode just about the design of the forest temple i think it's I i think it might be my favorite one overall it wasn't mine. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you also get the bow. What else do you want? It's a cool. I got
0: deeply yeah. lost in this. More yeah. lost, I think, in this temple than I did in any of the other ones for some reason. Um, yeah. A lot. A lot of the like twisted uh, hallway sure. stuff, and um, just like some of there were a couple instances where like there were doors up on the top of like little ledges that I needed to crawl across you know that I just like couldn't visualize and couldn't see you know sometimes you would like exit out of door be like oh I'm on the second floor I'm looking down on this courtyard that I was at before I wonder if there's anything I can do uh, and then I would like jump down and then realize that I shouldn't have jumped down and then I have to go through that whole area again you
1: know and like shoot the bow and yeah the two courtyards that look the same might have been a bit much even though it's thematically interesting it's yeah. like- <laughs> I agree
0: with you about a lot of the other stuff like I, I appreciate the the pose as as uh markers of how far along you made it in the dungeon i think that that's great i love phantom ganon as a boss i think it's really cool um but i found i found this to be the first time i was really frustrated in a temple uh, in this game
1: i get that i mean i think um i think it's my favorite in terms of the aesthetic and the vibes of it um but i understand it being a little bit frustrating um, I do think I'll probably like it more if I play the game a second
0: time. I think, I think if I made it to the forest temple again, kind of like now knowing what's possible, what I should be doing, even just the idea of like shooting the paintings with the bow to get the pose to come out, like stuff
1: like yeah. that wasn't very intuitive for me. So yeah, I, th- I think, I think I do a lot better a second time around. This is also the introduction that every time you do a temple, you awaken one of the sages and it's revealed that Saria is the sage of the forest you texted me saying oh I guess Saria died. I still don't really know like if the game wants us to assume that all of the sages are dead. I've always read it more as like them being sort of chosen and ascend but there are some sages that like the last time we see them they're like I'm gonna go try to fight the boss yes. and it's like pretty heavily implied that that didn't work out like Darunia later on.
0: Yes I was about to say it's it's pretty heavily implied that a couple of them definitely definitely die yeah. uh, which makes me think that. All did in some way, shape, or form. What's next? Oh, I guess the fire temple, right? Oh, in between there, I think is when I got epona I went back to the oh, yeah. ranch and did that whole oh, bit, which was, I love that part so much. I fucked up the race the first time I did it. Oh, okay, and it cost all the rupees I had, <laughs> which was in. I didn't say it beforehand, so I just was like, oh, I have to go get more rupee so I can try and get Epona again. That's another one of those things that is like definitely really obtuse, but uh, getting Epona is so huge and so helpful.
1: Yeah, I, I just like that side quest because it shows you how Ganon's evil can influence even the most like, low stakes places. Like, yeah. It just makes the like jealous second in command take over the ranch and like make it shitty. Yeah. <laughs> and Malin's right. like, what is this? Um yeah, yeah. But uh I love I love resolving all of that and seeing him like sheepishly like be like, Oh, welcome to Lawnman Ranch. And uh, if you win, the race is there. Malin gives you a cow that just hangs out in your room um, as a free source of lan milk, which you get by playing a Pona song, and then the cow speaks and goes like, oh, I love that song. It reminds me of the pasture. You know, I can produce a lot of milk. Uh, it makes me laugh every time. That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I did not do that, but... Uh, <laughs> that's pretty great. I'm going to do that next time. It's fun playing the game enough. It's like, okay, I know what side quests I want to do. I always do the cow. I just I just like... <laughs> I like <laughs> knowing that Lon Lon Ranch is a better place. I love that crew. Yeah. And uh, and I love having a cow in my treehouse. Just the idea of like Malin having to orchestrate with the Kokiris. Okay, like lift the cow up, put it back. <laughs> it's um, amazing. I think also when you're at the forest temple is when you see the Deku sprout, right? Yeah, once you beat the forest temple, the sprout Sprouts. comes out. And, and then the sprout, it's kind of an interesting flip because the Deku tree, you know, is your guardian this whole time. And then the Deku sprout tells you like, that Link was actually a Hylian and was mm-hmm. like orphaned and left at Kokiri Forest. Right. Which I think is kind of fun. Um, it makes sense given that we didn't die when we left. So <laughs> yeah, it kind of raises some questions about how we didn't die while we were there without a fairy. But yeah, I guess it's what Navi. That's why Navi was given to us. Maybe that's why we were like shaking in bed. Maybe he was sick. I'm not sure. Turning into a stealth.
0: <laughs> Everybody's stealthos.
1: Everybody. God. Yeah, Fire Temple was cool. I feel like there are some dungeons that are more focused on like difficult fights and bosses, and then some that are more about puzzles and the environment. And I think the Fire Temple is a nice mix of everything. You know, yeah. you, you get the hammer, so you're kind of physically manipulating like levels of things. Mm. Uh, but you also have like the fight with the dragon, and you know, it's it's just, it's a it's a cool spot. I I'm a I'm into the Fire Temple, so what. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um,
0: yeah. That was my favorite one at that point that I had played the game until the boss who I hated, but um, <laughs> the whack a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Really infuriating. But uh, the the dungeon itself, I thought was really great. I liked the hammer as an item. I wasn't expecting to get a hammer as an item. Uh, it, it was very silly. I thought it was an extremely silly item to get. And you honestly end up not really
1: using it ever again for the most part for the rest. Yeah. Of the game. There are a couple switches you need it for. I feel like, yes. um, I appreciate that Ganon's tower at the end makes you use a everything, everything. Yeah. Cause it kind of feels like a final trial, but sometimes it is tedious to like have to remap everything. So I kind of like having like a bow and a hook shot. Yeah. Um, but I do appreciate that. Cause what not to keep like throwing nitpicks at Twilight princess, a game that I love. But one thing that that stands out to me about that game is that you get really cool items in that game and then they're used specifically in one dungeon and then never again. And that always kind of bummed me out because I feel like the sense of progression is a little bit off because of that. Whereas I think in this game, you do feel like you have an arsenal of tools at your disposal.
0: Yeah, you can use a lot of things in a lot of different contexts in this game, which is very smart. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah, I think I think in Twilight Princess, the one that really stands out to me is you can use the hook shot out in the world. A of lot, course, And that's like maybe kind of it.
1: Yeah I mean you get the wand that can possess statues there's a couple things like I have to replay and maybe this is all not even relevant (laughs) I just remember last time I played it I felt that way but I remember really liking the chain mace that breaks ice and the wand that possesses statues but they're so specific to those locations that it doesn't like when you get the hook shot or the bombs it like opens doors for you you know when you're out and about in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel that quite as strongly. Very nitpicky. But I just think that that helps. It helps the sense of progression in the overall full game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I th- The
0: thing that really drives me progression wise through these games usually is just getting more hearts. Yeah. That's That's true. usually that's usually my like denoting point of how far I am along in a Zelda game. It's just I like,
1: kind of buy fish in bottles for me personally.
0: <laughs> there are a lot of bottles in this game that you can get. I think you have four. There are four
1: empty bottles. And I only got one. I think I got the whole two. game. I used to remember how to get all of them. Honestly, I think it's worth having at least three. Like having two, I often had to let go of something I wanted to keep. Yeah. To I get, frequently like, wished I had more. Like, especially in the ice cavern, which is sort of actually, that is the next dungeon. It's a yeah. mini dungeon between the fire and, and water temple. It's basically all centered around this idea that you can capture like a flame in a bottle. And you can use that to melt ice. It is really sad to go to Zoro's domain and just see it frozen. Like I feel yeah. like the Hyrule Market is the most notable like change of any place because like that environment is so joyful and and energetic when you're a kid, and then it's just like. The Last of Us <laughs> in yeah. seven years. But all of them are like that. I mean, you go to Goron City and no one's there. You go to Zoro's Domain and it's frozen. And going out and going into the ice cavern. I, I like the ice cavern. Uh and I, I but I, I had to, you know, sacrifice what I had to use the bottle for all the puzzles. Mm-hmm. I, I I appreciate that it was just like a short little kind of vignette to like set the stage for what's at stake for the water temple. There are two other like mini dungeons in this game, uh, the bottom of the well and uh, the Gerudo fortress that I like just straight up don't like. And there's like the only two dungeons in the game that I think are bad. I didn't mind the ice cavern. I thought it was kind of fun. That's very interesting.
0: Uh, yeah. I, I like the ice cavern. I thought it was pretty good. I can't wait to talk to you about the other two then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah the, the ice cavern, I thought was pretty good um, specifically getting the blue flames. So you could bring it and give it to uh, the king of the Zoras again. Yeah. Uh, and he's like,
1: Rudo, where's Rudo? Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: and sends you into the water temple, which is famous. The Water Temple is famous. This is, this is, uh, I was dreading getting to the Water Temple the whole time just because I have heard nothing but bad things about it for most of my life. Update. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's maybe even really
1: good. Yeah. I, I might love the Water Temple. Yes. Good. I I think, I think it's, I think. (laughs) Wait, huge disclaimer, huge caveat. Yeah. Only
0: in the 3DS version. I've learned why people didn't like it in the N64 version, needing to equip and unequip the Iron Boots non-starter sounds like shit don't want to do it maybe in the ship of harkonnen or whatever that that uh rom patch is but the 3ds version making the iron boots a thing you can just turn on or off by touching the touchscreen beautiful makes it a breeze and honestly i think that the dungeon is brilliant if you if you get rid of that rough edge
1: the bigger rough edge is that in the original the rooms where you could lower and raise the water weren't labeled so that oh, really yeah so like you know how in the 3ds one like you'll see like around the door there's like a color yeah and it will show you like the exact level the water will be that was all added so oh, you just had shit. to remember which rooms led to that and that, that was awful. the killer yeah. yeah, I think the Iron Boots, like, it's not... It's, like, tedious, but it's not that bad. Um, It's definitely better to have it as an item, and even Wind Waker learned that, Uh, because you get the Iron Boots in that game and they're an item, rather than, like, in the gear menu. Yeah. I think the bigger thing was, like, if you didn't do the Water Temple in one sitting, you basically had no way of knowing where you left off, because there was no... Like, it's good that there's no concrete, linear sense of progression, but there's no way to know where you left off, and there's also no way to remember, like, wait, where... Was the water and wait, where do I have to go? It just, there were too many asks of you, especially if you were an eight year old. So I think <laughs> that's why a lot of people have written it off. But I think once you have those two additions, which don't change anything about the actual layout of the dungeon, it's honestly really clever. It's really fun. And I think yes. meeting the water temple has one of the the bigger payoffs because some of the dungeons that I didn't like as much are just like, okay, good. It's over. But the water temple, I felt like, oh, I did it. Like I finally did it. I'm a genius. I'm unstoppable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I, I had a really good time in the water jump. Like, I, I kind of couldn't believe it at a certain point, I was like maybe halfway. Like I had I had learned the three places where you can raise and lower the water level. And at that point, I was like, OK, well, where come where's the bad part? And I just kept going and I got to the Dark Link fight and I was like, that was pretty sick. I'm still having a good time where's the bad part and I just didn't hit one I just didn't hit a bad part I just I, I left the water temple being like that was a great time I even like the boss I mean the boss is very weird very silly oh it's uh, good.
1: it makes good use of the of the long shot and it's a yeah. like very tense I I kind of wish so early on in the water temple you'd run into princess Ruto who's like you've been keeping me waiting for seven years we're supposed to get married what gives uh, and then she's like all right I want to help you out follow me and then just disappears I kind of wish and I'm I'm not here to to rewrite Ocarina of Time, but I do kind of wish they did a shout out to Jabba Jabba's belly where you, you know, had Ruto with you the whole time. Mm. I think it would have been fun to maybe incorporate Ruto again in some way in this temple, Yeah, like maybe switch between the two to help like raise and lower the water. I always, th- I always am excited when she says "follow me" and then she's just gone in the Chamber of Sages. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I just, I had that idea that time. I guess she died. I guess to like the room of spikes that sucks. Like, yeah. like clams in the next room. Or may- maybe, maybe it was the boss. Maybe she ended up in the boss room. Somewhere. That's true. Maybe she, she really swam ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, Water Temple, I think deserves second chance. I think it's, it's at least good, if not great.
0: Yeah, I think, so. I think so too. Honestly, I. One of the things I really appreciate about it is just the central vibe of that middle room uh, and how easy it is to, to visualize where you need to go and what's possible and what's accessible. It's doled out at a pace that I think makes a lot of sense. Like as you're learning how to raise and lower the water level, it's like, oh, I have one key and there's one door at this water level that has a lock on it. So like, obviously that's where I go next. Like I found frequently that it followed a pretty consistent logic that took me through the whole thing. I was really, I was really surprised at how, how breezy I, I felt it was. Um, yeah. I also think if I recall correctly at this point, I did have the big Goron sword Oh, nice! already. I had already done that quest. So when I went up against Dark Link, he sure didn't have the big Goron sword. <laughs> so I, uh, I kicked his ass, man.
1: <laughs> he didn't set a chance. What's funny is that, if you like z target on on dark link and hit navi it's actually dark whatever you named your character and oh, really? it just says conquer yourself so i got dark steven conquer yourself <laughs> you named yourself steven yeah i always do do you really yeah my first playthrough of windmaker i named my link steve which also weirdly feels canon because i was 13 but uh i will either go link or steven for zelda games wow which is my toxic trait I'll sometimes go Steven.
0: I think that might be a toxic trait. I think you're right.
1: (laughs) I think this is a red flag. (laughs) I don't rename in Final Fantasy. I always nickname my Pokemon and Link, I switch between Steven or Link. But what do you name yourself in Pokemon? Steven. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't go like red. I was
0: waiting for you to say Link. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The hero of
1: time. The hero of time. (laughs) And it's kind of funny. We're like, I'll never forget his name. Steven! <laughs> like, Gandalf's kind of screaming from the That's realm so between realms. Yeah. Up next, though, is the bottom of the well. So you don't like this. I like that it purposely fucks with you until you get the lens of truth, and then you can make sense of it. I also love the, like, creepy Silent Hill boss. Boss, yeah. I just found it to dead be a little hand, right. Isn't that what it's called? Dead, dead end. Yeah. I, I just found it to be a little bit tedious. Like it's kind of fun because it's once you get the lens of truth, you can just like even Navi is like, this place sucks. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I love I love that it just ends. Yeah. You don't you can, need to actually
0: explore the whole place. You don't need to get everything. You could just get the one thing you need and get the fuck out of there. Which I, I yeah. honestly thought was great.
1: I, I appreciate it in theory. I, d- I just found it to be a, a little bit tedious. Not as tedious as of <laughs> fortress, which we'll get to. Yeah. But uh, it, it was definitely not. Not uh, not my favorite,
0: The big thing about Bottom of the Well for me is... I thought, weirdly enough, it was pretty straightforward. Again, I, I didn't really have any problem navigating it. Uh, made my way through to Dead Hand and got the Lunge <laughs> of Truth, and that was fine. Navi was like, hey, we should leave. It was like, great, sounds good. This place <laughs> fucking reeks. I think she says this place is dank and creepy. This <laughs> place is dank. This um, place is dank. <laughs> the thing that I appreciate about Bottom of the Well is... I think thematically it's maybe the most important, maybe after the forest temple for all oh, the well. reasons that you listed the forest temple, you know, is like, here's your return. It's like kind of decrepit. It's, it's, it's an affront on you and your childhood, etc. This is the first thing since becoming an adult where you need to go back in time. You need to be a child. And I think what's so interesting about this game is the juxtaposition of childhood and adulthood specifically a lot of the stuff that you do as a child before you enter the temple of time for the first time and become seven years older is like very fairy tale adjacent It feels yeah. very whimsical and very fantasy. And like, I, I love that vibe and you can kind of get lulled into this false sense of security that anytime you're a kid, everything's going to be cool. And every time you're an adult, everything's going to be like shitty and real and like what the real world is like. But this temple, this like mini dungeon forces you to become a kid and then see the worst
1: shit in the game. <laughs> it's like. That's true. Yeah. Thematically, it's like, yeah, the evil was always there. Yeah, It was just beneath the surface. Literally. Yes.
0: Like literally. Literally. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, and I as soon as they made me become a kid and go into the bottom of the well and I was like, oh, this is the horror dungeon. And I, I clocked that I was a kid in the horror dungeon. I was like, oh, this reframes everything that the game is trying to say about childhood. I think in a really interesting way. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. I had a moment where I just put
1: my 3DS down as soon as I realized what was happening. I was like, this is so fucking smart.
0: These people <laughs> That's are geniuses. The
1: thing. Every every temple in this game serves a thematic purpose. Even if yeah. it's like tedious, like they all work and they're all going after different things, which is why even if you still hate the water temple, like I think it's at least interesting that that temple is all about like adapting and and thinking about the whole space as a puzzle itself mm-hmm. and i don't know I, I i think you've definitely made me think kinder on bottom of the well i just think in the moment i was also trying to finish the game inside so i was like why do i have to do this dead end yeah. um yeah, I think it, it is interesting that the moments where the game makes you be a kid again after you've already grown up are really fascinating it's a yeah. weird feeling
0: I th- I think a little bit of it too so I had two reads of it as it was happening one of them was like the darkness is always beneath the surface there's always the possibility that even as a child not everything is going to be whimsical and everything can still be fucked up the other side of it for me and speaking to the theme of loss like the larger theme of loss throughout the whole game I think there is this aspect of it as well that's okay you've traveled seven years in the future you become an adult going back in time into the body of a kid doesn't undo the fact that you're an adult now you know like you have you've seen the world for what it is and now you need to confront that even in your child form those are either two different reads or maybe two compatible reads they might be the same thing no
1: but i, I think it is like once once you've grown up it's like impossible to go back like yes. in, even in the mindset of the player it's like you're going back to your childhood to like kind of collect things like you, if you like need to like Right. Go back, and I, I, I do think that there's something to be said there. Maybe that I can't quite put into words, but it is, it is interesting. I think it is. I can put it into words.
0: We're gonna put a pin in it and talk about it later. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> it's gonna come up again. Oh, also, be- while this is happening, I think you learn the song of storms. this Is where this is where they like break the time travel rules. Yeah, of the game, yeah. It, which it was- I love. It feels it feels like a YouTube, uh like a 2010s YouTube essayist, uh, like dream is to be able to (laughs) comment on how broken all the time travel rules are. It doesn't matter. It's the legend of Zelda. Um, but it's the bit where like you talk to the guy who's like, I met this shitty kid and he taught me this song. I hate it. I hate it. And then you, <laughs> and then you go back as a kid and you play it for him and teach it to him and whatever. Uh, really silly. Um, I, I also like just as a song, "The
1: Song of Storms" is one of my favorites. It's the best. It's the yeah. And, uh, it might, I think it might be the best one. Cadence of High There's a really great remix of "Song of Storms." Um, I still gotta play that. It's a lot of fun. I would recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's next? Shadow I guess Temple. oh the Shadow Temple. Yeah. What'd you think of this one?
0: I know I keep using this word. This one really is very straightforward. This one is yeah. like. You just got the lens of truth. You just kind of keep it on as long as you have magic. Every once in a while, you got to do a big fight. But uh, it was like pretty simple. I, I kind of so, didn't re- even really think about it while it was happening.
1: My, my biggest revelation was before this playthrough, I had gone on record saying that my favorite temples were the Forest Temple, the Spirit Temple, and the Shadow Temple. Mm-hmm. And Shadow Temple really let me down this time. I found it to really? be... I love the aesthetic, um, I love that it's like this sort of forgotten part of Hyrule's history. Like it's kind of implied yeah. that like, this is like a torture chamber of some kind um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, was at one point. And it's this like, you know, all, everything you know, with the bottom of the well and the shadow temple, they're both sort of like suppressed <laughs> memories of, of Hyrule's past. And yeah. uh, I, I really like the lens of truth stuff. Um, that's also used in Majora's mask to great effect. Oh, uh, I think it's, I think it's an interesting item even though it's like just sort of turning on and off. Like I do think it adds a sense of mystery and sometimes you can still use it in other dungeons to find like hidden treasure chests, which is, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yeah. You can use it to cheat at that one
0: uh, thing in Kakrika village.
1: There was just, I guess it was just this playthrough, but there was one part where I, I, I forgot to what, but I kept dying and the respawn points are like significantly farther back than you want them to be. So I found that it is mm. like need, And I also didn't upgrade my magic this time I think this is all just a lesson that I had to do more side quest stuff, but like I often had to like leave the temple to get magic potions to make sure I had enough for the lens of truth. Mm-hmm. And I found the hover boots to be, Oh, that was, that's what it was. It's hard to make some of the jumps with the hover boots cause they're so unreliable mm. and slippery. So I just, they're I struggled with, with the controls of that, but um, it's, it's not a bad one. I, I remember it like my, my memories of, of my own childhood playing this game was that like once you beat the water temple, It was just like... A party to the end and Shadow Temple. I, I, I think it's okay. I think it's like kind of middle of the road. I love the boss. That's the big thing. For Bongo Bongo is awesome. Yeah, that boss One, is amazing. You fight him on a big drum that he's using. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and what I what I love about it too is like okay, so you get the hover boots while you're in this dungeon, and usually at the end of any dungeon, you need to use the item that you got to fight that boss. And in this case, it's just like you got to keep your sh- don't
1: take your shoes off when you fight the boss. <laughs> i also find that this boss either like gives me a ton of trouble or i beat him first try it's like one or the other oh yeah
0: i i whipped this guy yeah as soon as as i realized i could just i don't i don't know if that's what you're supposed to probably i guess because it's what i did but you just shoot each of the hands with an arrow before it can even do anything and then he's like hello and then you shoot him in the eye and then you hit him with your big goron sword goes down real quick yeah the thing is
1: if you if you miss one of the hands you're it's over oh really he starts playing the drum, which which then one of them grabs you and squeezes you, and then throws you off of the drum into like poisonous water. Oh, I don't even think that happened to me once yeah <laughs> you,
0: again, shout yeah. out to the gyroscope
1: <laughs> <laughs> gyroscopic aiming best shit. I like the Shadow temple. i just I remember loving it, and I was like oh it's it's pretty good it's again, I think it is straightforward, but I think it kind of has to be because it's one of those dungeons that's asking you to just survive. I mean, there's yeah. that whole part where you're on the like ship, yeah. and you fight the two Stalfos, and then Navi is like, "Oh no, the ship is going down. We gotta get off," and it crashes, and you that have to- felt,
0: yeah, that felt like a ruse to me. That felt like a like a, a community theater moment. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, "The ship is sinking." I was like, "Is it, or are you just telling me the ship is sinking, Navi?" Yeah. What is it, Navi? Yeah, yeah. Um, but as soon as you jump off there, now I'm thinking about it. Is the bit where you need to shoot the arrow at the bombs to blow up the the big yeah. statue to create the bridge, which there are a couple moments like that in the game where I I did a thing like that, you know, th- these moments where it's like I'm not thinking in video game terms. I'm thinking in like like almost this is a real space terms, which I think are the, like the peak moments of Ocarina of Time or when you're not thinking about like, OK, what do I know about the interactions of the world in Ocarina of Time and more? What do I know about like the real world? And I saw a bunch of bombs at the bottom of this big statue and was like, I bet if I shoot those, that, that thing's going to fall over because that's what would happen in real life. And that's exactly what happened. And that was brilliant. <laughs> and in those moments are when I see little glimpses of what I'm sure I'm sure this got locked away in like a little like music box in Ionuma's head. But I was like, this is Breath of the Wild almost like I'm getting yeah. closer to the, the physics interactions of Breath of the Wild in those moments.
1: And I feel like Water Temple as well. It definitely feels like the Divine Beasts kind of one up that with like mm. moving the parts of the Divine Beast to like navigate to different areas. Yeah. Although in that game, you can just do it from the menu, which is a little bit more convenient. <laughs> yeah. Than having to go to three different rooms, but um, yeah. Shadow Temple was cool. Then you do the Gerudo Fortress. Uh, man, awful. I- I- So I love the music. If the music of this section wasn't as good as it was, the Gerudo Valley theme, Mm -hmm. it would be unplayable. We wouldn't have finished (laughs) and we wouldn't be doing this episode. I I just think, I don't know what it is, even up until Breath of the Wild, there's always a mandatory stealth part in a lot of Zelda games and it's always terrible. It should just not be in it. The main thing about this one for me is that the camera just doesn't work. Like you just...
0: Because the camera is locked to the ZL button, right, you Like, or, or the Z button, I guess, you're constantly, you need to target or swivel the camera behind you. That means that if you want to see what's around a corner, you need to go out into a hallway and then turn right and then hit the, the recenter button. And by that point, you've been spotted by the Gerudo who is going yeah. to throw you back in prison.
1: I think it is a cool idea, like I do like that you're in this place that isn't like outwardly it's more like a neutral setting where it's like yeah. you're just not welcome here and you're not like fighting to the death or anything you're just getting captured. That's interesting to me, and there's some fun items to get, but yeah, this is like the only time when the game really feels like it's from almost thirty years ago, yeah, in a bad way, but it also leads up to the spirit temple, which I think is still one of my favorites i I really loved going back here. This one
0: was interesting because it's the only one where you have to be a kid and an adult. You need to do half of the dungeon as a kid and half of it as an adult. And I I was trying to find a read of it as I was playing that was similar to the bottom of the well situation. And I kind of couldn't figure one out. Like there's just a big, the big like stone with etchings in it right when you walk in. That's like you need to have the heart of a child to beat this dungeon. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And then and then you get an item and it's like, you're not tall enough to wear this. And then you <laughs> you need to go back and get older. I was like, I don't I don't know if I'm getting anything like thematically out of this.
1: I do wonder if it would have maybe worked a little better to have met uh Naboru like actually in the childhood part because it feels like we kind of meet her a little late and then suddenly she's the the sage of spirit. Like I like the character, but I do think like meeting her as a child post adult link is a just kind of strange pacing Mm. i kind of see the spirit temple as a as a spin on the forest temple both of them are really interested in like doubles um like you kind of do one half of this temple as a kid and the other half as an adult and then there's sort of like harmony within that and then the boss are the twin witches which that's that might be my favorite boss in the game yeah uh, i love when they're like now we're really gonna fight and they both have like dbz halos above their heads mm-hmm. and they're like what's this wait no i'm too young i'm 400 it, it's hilarious but uh i i love the mirror shields i love having to do the both. mirror shield is such a good item it's so cool i kind of wish you'd get it earlier but again it's fun to have you know, as one of the last things you get. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Can you use the mirror shield against Ganon? Uh, I don't know. Or do you have to hit it back with the master sword? Oh, I wonder, I think you have to hit it back with the the volley. I think you have to hit it back with the master sword. Uh Oh, I don't know. There's something about the spirit temple that kind of feels like, you know, link is going through all this like trauma, with like the sudden jump to adulthood and then seeing his home under attack and then like kind of losing all his friends one by one. And the spirit temple kind of has a more optimistic feeling to it. Like it's one of the more like uh, you feel inspired once you've done it. And it kind of shows the strength of both halves of Link in a way. Mm. Um, it's sort of like two halves becoming one in a sense. Yeah. I, I just think it's like, re- it's a, again, it's a nice mix of puzzles and combat. It also introduces the Iron Knuckles, which, like, one of the coolest enemies in the entire game. I love the fact that they are enemies, like, and again, you have to fight one for the first time as a kid, and it's terrifying. You're a kid with a stick, and there's literally a Dark Souls boss waiting for you. And they get fat. (laughs) So basically, if you don't know, the Iron Knuckles are these, like, armor-wearing, axe-wielding minions that you know, devastating damage every swing of the axe and they take a lot of hits and as they take damage, their armor starts to fall off and they get faster and I, I think it's so cool to have an enemy that the weaker they are, the more dangerous they get. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of the combat trials in the uh, the shrines in Breath of the Wild where like when the robots are on at low health, they start to do the laser spins. Yeah, they get like, so, like really frenetic, to, like, yeah. I mean, it's also similar. I mean, if you want to go back to Dark Souls, sort of like pushing a phase in a boss is also similar. But I, th- mm-hmm. I think the Iron Knuckles are... Because a lot of the other harder enemies like the Wolfos and the Lizards and the Stalfos are like kind of similar where you have to just sort of wait for them to attack and then get an attack. The iron knuckles are feel like kind of the step even beyond that yeah. where I think there, there's an interest like the iron knuckles feel like they belong in one of the laters, of the games um, just in terms of how they're, they're made and how you have to fight them.
0: Yeah. I love the iron knuckles. I did learn. Uh, I, I watched like a, like a, did you know gaming video about, <laughs> about Ocarina of time uh, from way back when. And I, I learned that uh, in the original N64 release and they changed this in the in the 3ds one Um, if you like position the camera where you're clipping through the helmets of the Iron Knuckles they're all Gerudo's oh really That's yeah cool. uh, which might have just been like a they're trying to reuse assets because it, it turns out that Naboru is one of the Iron Knuckles that you fight right. towards the end of the game so it might have just been like that same character model used over and over again but there is an interesting implication that Ganon who is the king of the Gerudos canonically was forcing them to become Iron Knuckles which is terrifying
1: yeah that might be because there, there's like talks of them being brainwashed because Naboru was like a rebel against Ganon who ended up brainwashed to fight for him yeah so I wonder if the Iron Knuckles like part of that i also i mean i do enjoy the the battles with the gerudo like guards when you're freeing the carpenters in the fortress yeah that's awesome it's just the stealth stuff that's really not fun yeah
0: yeah it's really tough i i found myself uh running out of arrows a lot which was
1: yeah i had to keep that was the one time i needed rubies i had to keep flying back i played the uh the song of darkness to go to the Kakariko Village Graveyard to then buy arrows and uh, then oh. ride my horseback. back. Steven, it didn't once occur to me that I could leave by playing the <laughs> ocarina.
0: I just assumed that I was stuck that there. That made it
1: even funnier I was like, this, is, this is like a not very securely guarded fortress. I just keep leaving and coming back. Yeah, I,
0: I actually kind of, my reading on that, like, because they leave you all your stuff. Like, they yeah. leave you your bow and arrow and all that stuff. My, my read of that was like, they're so confident in their prowess as warriors that they don't even need to take your stuff away
1: yeah they're just like get out of here like yeah. you're
0: not an issue here
2: just leave yeah
1: i do like that when it opens up did you do the trials to get the ice arrows mm-hmm. yeah nice which i didn't I, use one time that's the thing there's not really a big use for them it's is there any of the like what, what are you supposed to use them for i don't know i mean there might be some heart pieces to get with them or something Maybe, uh, yeah. but i mean you pretty much have to use light arrows against ganon and, and by the time you get the ice arrows it's like okay
2: yeah yeah i think
1: it just started to have them right Huh. I know in uh, in Majora's Mask they use ice arrows a little bit more meaningfully because you have to freeze stuff in one of the water temples. But uh, yeah, it's still it's it's still cool to have that in the game.
0: What follows it? Oh, the, it's the end. After it's this is end. Ganon's Castle. <laughs> it's
1: Ganon's Castle. Yeah, which I love. Which is fun. I I enjoy rescuing all the sages one by one. I love when they make the bridge. I always get starstruck. When they, uh, it's also like, I mean, I don't know if you can go here before, but like seeing Link's reaction to seeing Ganon's castle weirdly got to me this time. It's so horrific. Like it's very classic, like evil dudes castle. But again, like knowing what was there and like remembering, like there used to be green hills here that I like ran up and sneaked around to see princess Zelda. And like knowing that that's where you have. This is the place where those memories exist, and now it's this. Mm. It's really effective. And uh, yeah, I, I this, mm, there's a lot of good versions <laughs> of Ganondorf, but I cannot get over the fact that the dude is playing an organ. As you're climbing his castle, I lost my mind (laughs) when he was playing an organ like Davy Jones. Oh wait, we skipped something huge. So, Sheik reveal uh, it's revealed that uh, Zelda is Sheik. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about Sheik at all. Yeah, something I told you, and you had already known that Sheik is Zelda the whole time. I only have gratitude for sakurai but i am kind of pissed that he just for the war- world spoiled that zelda is Sheik yeah. via smash brothers because like that is such a cool reveal like yeah. Sheik is such a cool character and and so mysterious and i love their like poems about each place it really does add more text to what the areas are just sort of suggesting hmm And uh, and then the reveal that it's Zelda is so awesome. And you really do feel like, oh, yeah, of course, this is wisdom personified. It's the person that's been guiding me the whole time and like giving my actions meaning and giving me the ability to save this world. It's 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 a really beautiful moment. Even knowing what was going to happen. I I thought it was really it's still awesome. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it was very cool. Yeah. She feels like a celebrity every time they show up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's always good. And I love all the teleportation songs. They're all beautiful. Except for the Prelude
0: of Light, which is my least favorite song in the game.
1: Da 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 da, da. You don't I, like that one? No, it doesn't fit
0: the vibe of any. Yeah, of the it's other a little ones.
1: bit like a like a default ringtone almost. It, yeah, it, it,
0: it feels it feels like a Beatles rejection. <laughs> in a way, it, feel, it feels like a song that like the, the Paul McCartney would play and be like, oh, maybe not.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't wait to see the Beatles bash
1: Prelude of Light and get back.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I again. It's fortunate, incredible dungeon. Yeah, I mean, just going in, the whole deal is like you have to go through six rooms. Each of them have their own little challenges that are based on the temple that you originally got that crystal from and saved that sage from. So good. Yeah, it so was good. awesome.
1: Yeah, and and I love the little brief moments with all the sages at the end. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this, and and again, the fact that he's playing the organ, like he. All he needs from you, the only reason you're even on his mind is because it's been revealed that you're the reincarnation of courage. Like you're right. The third part of the Triforce. Cause I didn't really make this connection in other playthroughs, but when Ganon went into the sacred realm and tried to claim the Triforce, he could only claim power because there's something where, like, if your heart isn't pure, the Triforce splits into three. Mm-hmm. And that's why. All of a sudden Zelda and Link were branded with the other two. So he's like, okay, I doesn't need those two people like with me and I'll I'll take it from them. Right. Once Sheik reveals that she's Zelda, Ganon captures her, which, which is kind of a bummer, but you know, it, it raises the stakes. Yeah. Um and he's just playing the organ, waiting for you to come upstairs. Uh and even that fight, like when you first fight Ganondorf, it's this giant pillar and destructible floor. And you're going to fall like on like for a significant height, like multiple times while Ganondorf laughs at you. And the bottom floor is full of pots that regenerate that are full of like health and mana and, or magic and arrows. So you're never really at stake. And like at first I was frustrated. And then I'm like, this is brilliant because this is of course, this is how the fight would go like we're still even after all of this like we're barely a match for this guy and he's just messing with us for a bit like he's not under any threat at this point oh that's interesting i kicked his ass (laughs) well you're the bigger on sword and i also struggled with the hover boots but at least i mean again that's the testament to this game that you can have those moments depending on how a battle is going are you supposed to use the hover boots in that fight i did just because he had destroyed so much of the floor that i only had like a few pillars to go to interesting um and i kept like that makes sense the timing of climbing up and then using the hover boots to get to one of the other pillars is so short that when if he does the ground pound move you just fall off again and he keeps laughing so that happened for like no joke 15 minutes in this playthrough for me and but i loved it and i love the fact that the game just like let me heal up every time and i'm like this is like so demoralizing but also (laughs) feels canon oh that's interesting yeah this is the the hero loses timeline
0: i feel like i had like maybe the platonic ideal of what this fight was supposed to be like as a hero and yeah maybe maybe yours was more thematically apt
1: i do think though even if it's going well like you do the volley and and you catch him off guard that you defeated him. He's yes. like, he's like shocked and throws up a bunch of green slime, Yeah, which always
0: throws me. I off. love that moment. I yeah. love that moment. He's like, I yeah. can't believe I got beaten by this fucking kid. What's interesting is he's the only person who calls you a kid after you've become an adult.
1: Yeah. Uh, like uh Naboru calls you kid. And then event, like once she awakens to say it, she's like, no, you're Steven <laughs> or link. Yeah. And that, that is a good call out. Yeah. Um, I never made that connection. And then yeah, and then you fight him and he's a big pig. <laughs> well, there's the whole escape sequence with Princess Zelda, which is kind of
2: nah, he's just they, a pig. they
1: had to throw a redead <laughs> at the very end. So oh, you have yeah. three minutes to escape Ganon's castle as it's, it's it kinda reminds me of Metroid, where there's always like an escape at the very end. Or and in Metroid Prime, there's an escape at the beginning. Oh really? That's fine.
0: Yeah, you gotta play it. You're gonna love it.
1: But there's a redead like right near the exit. <laughs> I screamed. I was like, No. Um, <laughs> But that part's fun. I, I actually really struggled with the Ganon fight. It took me at least five tries this time because I didn't have many hearts. Mm. I didn't have the bigger on sword. I had very little magic, so I had to rely on... Because you essentially have to hit him with the light arrow to stun him and then go after his tail. Yeah. So I had to rely on Beast Ganon destroying one of the, like pieces of the building yeah and hoping that it would either spawn magic or fairies the annoying thing is that if you lose it takes you back to the escape oh really i I had to do the escape like four or five times i was just saying i didn't know that yeah i I ended up not
0: losing at all but i did come very dangerously close to running out of magic yeah because i'll be honest i didn't even realize that using the light arrows used magic until i was doing that fight i was like oh shit
1: yeah I should, and without I, them, at that
0: point, I was like, I should, why didn't I get magic potions? Like, I'm not prepared for this fight at all.
1: Eventually, I got really good at rolling under him and then attacking the tail. And and for half the fight, you don't have the master sword. So I had right. to use the, the hammer, which... Can you not
0: use your uh, Kokiri sword?
1: As an adult, no, you can't.
0: Unfortunately. Really? That's sad.
1: Yeah. I did kind of like using the hammer, though. Shout out to Gerunia, you know, just sure. like... That's tight. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the Gana fight is sick. It's honestly... So this is where, like... I've seen some complaints about the aesthetic of the 3DS version, oh, really? and it's pretty much one to one. The only thing is that the Ocarina, or excuse me, the N64 version of Ocarina, the lighting of the fight is much darker, mm. so you get more of a silhouette of Ganon rather than like all of the characters like pig features. Oh, that's interesting. But, but it's it's honestly pretty. It's it's like not a big deal. <laughs> that fight is still super daunting and like does give credence to your uh, Dark Souls comparison for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I I love that fight. I, I had a good I had a good time. Um, it, specifically because I was so nervous that I wasn't gonna be able to do it was yeah. I think exhilarating. It was it was really. I mean, I had died against a couple of the bosses uh, along the way. Um, or like here and there against enemies and stuff, but feeling like I was going to die against. Ganon was uh honestly exhilarating
1: yeah I, I think he he's the only boss that feels like it's I think it's purposeful that he feels like a leak beyond anything you've fought before yeah in the game even if you have all the bigger on sword stuff and hearts it's still a pretty challenging fight totally yeah and uh then you kill his ass <laughs> <laughs> you get, i love the shot of like you kill him zelda stuns him yeah and then the sages transport ganondorf to the realm between realms or the sacred they transport him to the sacred realm now that it's become like the evil realm basically right and he just had this like close-up of his face looking like shocked and he's like i'm gonna get out of here and kill your descendants it's honestly really scary yeah it's like the first time he doesn't take you seriously until you've defeated him basically mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah, that moment is 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 uh, always kind of catches me off guard. Um, I do love, too, that the sages play such a pivotal role in the final battle. Yeah. And then the game is really sad at the end. <laughs> the ending of this game is really sad. Yeah. So then it basically cuts. You you get a moment alone between Zelda and Link. And Zelda is essentially kind of says what we said earlier about, like, this whole adventure being the plan of of two children. She was like, it was foolish to think, like, I could take on Ganon alone I'm like this is kind of my fault that like you lost your childhood to all of this so like the last thing I can do as like a sage myself is give you back your childhood and it's not I mean you know Link is a silent protagonist and his face during this is fairly neutral I I I think you can talk a lot about whether or not this is something Link wants you know like I, I wonder if it's something the character actually wants or if he just wants to like agree to zelda's last wish kind of thing
0: yeah i feel really conflicted about it honestly um because i think if link had known and maybe even if zelda had known that like navi was gonna leave after that he probably wouldn't have been as into it right like (laughs) because essentially essentially what that means is if if navi leaves and he doesn't have a fairy anymore it means he still can't go back to kokiri forest ever again because if you go into kokiri forest without a fairy you turn into a stealthist it's a whole it's a whole thing Uh, There's a a whole side quest about it, but that means that means he can't return home ever. And based on our reading of the bottom of the well, and what I believe that that signifies is like, he's seen too much shit as an adult to go back into his kid's body and then just like get his youth back. He's like, he's not getting his childhood back. You know, it's not, it's, it's not that easy. I think. Um, Yeah. If anything, it's even harder. I think it makes his life worse, like pretty significantly and I think that's even denoted, and I don't know this for sure, but I isn't
1: Majora's Mask a different place? It's not Hyrule, right? It's Termina. I mean, so Majora's Mask begins with young Link after the events of this game, and that's one of the direct follow-ups. So it's like yeah, pretty much after this happens, the game begins saying that Link is in search of a dear friend, and it's heavily implied that that's Navi. Yeah. So it's Link on Epona without a fairy in the Lost Woods, and then yeah, then essentially he kind of like... Alice in Wonderland's into Termina which is yeah. like a very similar but different place to Hyrule right and th- that's kind of what I mean is like he's ca- he's kind of
0: doomed to have to leave Hyrule right like that that's that's what he gets and I think I think that's honestly what one of the wilder things about this game and, and speaking about it as a game that's like really concerned and very interested in loss, because it's It's not even just the loss of his childhood, it's the loss of his home, like the place that he grew up. He can't go back there anymore. It's the loss of even what he knows as the world, which is Hyrule at that point. He needs to go find a new world to live in entirely. And then I think it could be argued, at least in my mind, that each of the sages represent other things that he's losing as well in in different regards, right? Like Saria represents friendship. Uh, Ruto is like love. I think Naboru is kind of up in the air for me. I I feel like she represents sexuality in some ways because she like literally is like hey man you're hot like yeah. <laughs> later um yeah. and then and then also the the two the two witches in the spirit temple merging into like the hot witch is like, I don't know. It, for me, I was like, why Why do I feel like this temple's horny? <laughs> and then Impa is like mentorship. And I don't know about Raru at all. I mean, I, I think there's like maybe a way of reading it as like that might have been Link's dad or something. I'm not really sure.
1: raru uh, is is heavily implied to be the Al. So I think yeah. like he's sort of like this, the guiding light kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Another like mentor.
0: But you lose that too. You can't go see Zelda again. You know, Link loses everything. Like the, the cost of being the hero of time is you lose everything. And then you have to, then you have to fucking deal with everything that happens in Majora's mask. And then you turn into a Stalfos and you have to live the rest of your days in a copied city version of Hyrule. And then you have to teach another little shit who looks just like you how to do a spin attack in Twilight Princess. It's like his life sucks because of what happens in this game.
1: It's a very tragic hero. Yeah. I mean, when we get that scene between Zelda and Link, it's then followed by this like incredible celebration in Hyrule, which I love. Like you see all the characters. God, that like, scene is so good. Dancing. I love the shot of the king of the Zoras and your childhood bully just like yeah. sitting in the corner. It's so joyful. It's so fun to see. Like that that is the happy ending you wanted to see. Like right. everyone enjoying that the world is a better place and the sages too you get a moment with them i love seeing them like in tarathic on top of darunia it's, mm-hmm. it's so cute and the last shot after the credits is young link going back to zelda in the courtyard and they look at each other and that's like the final shot so i think in a vacuum if there wasn't a majora's mask and a time princess in a zelda timeline i think in a vacuum what the game wants us to think is zelda and link now Can have their lives together, like they—they don't have to jump right to adulthood. They can enjoy being children and like share what was lost, or at least we're left with that possibility. You know, I think it's—it's an ending that ends with with possibilities for Link. He's no longer thrust from one place to another. That I think is optimistic. That like hopeful shot of the two of them is optimistic. Yeah. The problem is that the next game is Majora's Mask. Right. That's the thing. I want
0: I want to read it with the optimistic lens. I feel like that's, that's yeah. what you and I are always trying to do, but I feel it's deeply difficult to do that with this game because so yeah. much of it up until this point has dealt so much with the idea of loss and tragedy and sadness and and like the the horror of becoming an adult and trying to reclaim your childhood at all costs even though that's like deeply impossible that it's it's so hard to see the two of them as kids at the end and be like yeah this is gonna work out great for you because first of all there's a whole fucking book about how this goes wrong three different ways uh (laughs) and a whole bunch of games with a whole bunch of timelines about it but on top of that even i don't fully believe and i maybe i'm wrong in thinking this but i don't fully believe that sending link back having experienced all of this is going to allow him to stop ganon at this point again you know if anything it feels to me like he's being doomed to relive ocarina of time a second time but that now he doesn't have navi and like that means that he loses which then leads to uh, one of the timelines. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like they they broke up. We don't have to get into the Hyrule Historia thing, but I I think it's worth mentioning at least that Ocarina of Time is a part where Nintendo has decided for some reason to split the timeline into three different branches.
1: What's funny is that, yeah, there there was a it was a fan thing for a long time. I think one of the reasons why this became a conversation was because of games like Majora's Mask and Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, which all reference Ocarina in some way, but they're all so distinct from each other. So I think for a while it was it was fans and there was an adult link and a child link timeline. And then Nintendo released their official one, which added the third what if he lost timeline, which is so strange? Yeah. And, and that timeline is basically all the games that like came out before Ocarina. that they like can't really justify being on the other timelines yeah it's it's sort of like the retcon timeline of like well he lost so then the first Zelda happened
0: yeah I I don't I don't fully understand it and I don't ever really feel like I need to or want to I mean I I think that's really more evidenced by Breath of the Wild coming out and then being like oh yeah all three of those different timelines converge into Breath
1: of the Wild but I, I think my feelings on the timeline are that like for the games that are actually in the text referencing other games I think it's interesting to think about when when they are and when it's happening. But not every Zelda of the game is trying to do that. So like I don't I don't need to know where like four swords is or like when that happened or you know, a lot of them just sort of feel like myths and retellings of myths and like i don't always need a time and a place for those four swords is before ocarina of time and four swords adventures is after ocarina of Time. Yeah. <laughs> somehow skyward sword is the first which i think that is interesting that that game like set out to be like this is the beginning of, of everything it's the genesis of, yeah. of hyrule
0: even more interesting the breath of
1: the wild set out to be the end and now there's a sequel <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think i think no matter you know timelines and sequels i do think that the ending is at the very least bittersweet and i think it is inherently sad that like he has saved the world and now will not be remembered as a hero either yeah. you know right i feel like they were kind of going for sort of like a narnia ending where like spoilers i guess for narnia but the end of the first book lion the witch in the wardrobe like the kids are in narnia long enough that they become like adults there yeah but then when they leave the wardrobe only like 10 minutes have passed in the real world yeah and that's kind of the vibe that this ending is going for, I think.
0: I think so, too. But uh, it sure leaves a lot more up to interpretation than I think maybe they even intended.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think that's the case. I think they wanted it to be like, now he can live right like now. He can just live a life. And then two years later, they're like, what if he fell down a rabbit hole <laughs> and <then laughs> became a skeleton? Yeah. Um. Aww. So oh, poor guy. It's sad. It's really sad. I, I love the Hero of Time. I do think it's it's nice. I mean, they confirmed that he's uh, the Hero of Time. The Link from this game in Majora's Mask is the Stalfos that like guides Link in Twilight Princess. It's cool to see him get like some resolution in that game, if that is an, indeed the three acts of his story. But still, not ideal.
0: Yeah, I don't think I want to turn into a Stalfos.
1: <laughs> Personally. Maybe he does. Anyway, that's Ocarina. I, I'm so glad you, you had a great time with it. Do you have any other like parting thoughts just about the whole adventure or any stand-up moments for you before we move on to questions? Oh, that's so much.
0: I don't think so. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, nothing comes to mind immediately, but I don't know. I... I, I like every other bonus episode we do this isn't the last we're going to talk about ocarina of time i imagine yeah um and it's probably not the last time i'm going to play it um i i feel i feel like i've been inducted into this world of people who replay ocarina of time all the time now but more than anything honestly it just kind of energized me to play all the other zelda games i've missed yeah um i think that that's the thing i like really want to do more than anything right now like i'm actually really excited for us to be done with this episode uh not not right now. I don't mean like this recording <laughs> process. I'm out. But I, I mean like when, when we're done with this, like I'm probably going to move on and play something else and I don't know which one it is. I was planning, initially I was thinking, oh, it'd be fun to play Majora's Mask for Halloween and make that the Halloween bonus, but I kind of just want to do that now. Like I think that might just be the next game I play.
1: <laughs> like before October, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just, I'm just... I just want to know what happens now because that's that's a game I really know nothing about. Like, I oh, don't know man. anything really at all about how that game even plays or I mean, I know there's the like three days situation and there's a big moon with Ganon's face coming down. There's also, do you know you can transform into Gorons and stuff? I mean, I, I, I know I know a little bit
1: of it because you told me that they get different instruments. Um, yeah. But- Basically, yeah. the, the central mechanic of Majora's Mask is you have masks that can turn you into a Deku, a Goron, and a Zora, and you get different abilities in those forms. But uh, it's it's really cool. Majora's Mask is, I think you're going to love it. I think given what your read on Ocarina is and the questions you're left with, I think you're going to, Majora's Mask actually might be the one for you. Maybe. Um, I would love that. It's incredible. I mean, it's a really, I think in doing this show, we often talk about games that are, you know, ocarina and and chrono trigger are two games that were these like incredible events that were like instantly beloved all-time classics that both got really bizarre sequels and Mm -hmm. i think it's like that's just the best way to follow up a hit is like what if we got really weird with the next one totally And, and then it's why majora's mask has stood the test of time the thing about majora's mask that holds it back a little bit for me and why i think i like ocarina a little bit more even though they're both incredible is that like so much of it is so esoteric because it's, like, it is sort of, like, a side quest of a game. Right. Which can be a little bit tough, but, like, if you're willing to just, like, look at guides and also... There's a a mechanic in Majora's Mask where you have, like, a notebook. There's a group of, like, boy detectives called the Bombers and they have a Bombers notebook. Mm. And that... Notebook lets you keep track of every person you've met and like what their schedule is and like where they are on what day and what time. And if you really utilize that, which they made much better on the 3DS version, it's actually a little bit easier to do a lot of the more out there side quests.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, I will probably play the 3DS version.
1: Yeah, I I would recommend it. And I I know there are people online who don't like it and uh, I don't care at all. I swear, I'm going to play it. (laughs) It's an incredible game. But yeah, I think that's a wrap on Ocarina. I'm just so grateful to... Had this game in my life, and I'm glad it continues to mean different things to me. And that's I think that's one of the reasons why it's so replayable is like it's going to mean something a little bit different in your life when you play it. Mm.
0: My, my my last lingering thought now that I'm thinking about the 3ds is I really really wish they would port the 3ds versions of this and Majora's Mask to the Switch. Um, yeah. That'd be As, awesome. Look, I, I think it's great that the N64 versions are there obviously but the quality of life stuff that they've added here is so good and like the gyroscopic aiming and stuff is all stuff you could do with joy cons and with the switch itself and with the pro control like it all feels like it should be on the switch and that's not a thing I've seen anyone ever wish for and I don't know if that'll ever happen but I I really would like them to do that at some point
1: yeah I, I would I would love these games get ported to switch.
0: Well, on that note, do you want to take a quick break and then move to questions? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God. This has been such a long (laughs) segment. Uh, Yeah, let's do that.
2: Sounds good. Wow. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: And we are back with questions from the listener. Thank you so much to everyone who sent these in. We got a lot of good ones. You want to dive right into it? Let's do it. I'm excited. I didn't cool. read any of these. Oh, I did cool. not prepare any answers. <laughs> We're not staged here in the aether. First one is from Ben in Discord. But we are stuck here. <laughs> uh-huh. Ben from Discord. When you think of Ocarina of Time's undeniable vibes, what immediately comes to mind? It could be the ensemble of visual and audio atmosphere it could be the day and night cycle. It could be the town, et cetera. What is it about Ocarina of Time that elicits hashtag vibes for you? Mm. I mean, you gave good good answers here in the question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we were asked in uh, the Animal Crossing bonus about like other games that utilize a day and night cycle. Now, of course, in that game, it's tied to our actual time. But I do think like having time pass. In the game, especially, you know, going back to Hyrule Fields and you describe it as like cinematically explaining like travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think giving the player that downtime in between beats is really important. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's basically everything. I mean, I think the music, if I had to choose one thing that like kind of communicates the sort of somber atmosphere of the game, it would be the music. I mean, that opening menu theme is so iconic. Mm. If anything sets the stage for the entire game. It's that, you know, it's very, yeah. it's very bittersweet. Like usually the opening, I mean, compare the opening theme of Ocarina of Time to like Wind Wakers, <laughs> right. you know, it's like usually the opening menu theme is like to get you excited to play it. This theme is like, oh, you're here again, huh? It's, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. music that would play at like a, like a bar late at night or something and like a fantasy tavern.
2: Yeah. Twilight
1: Princess also. Has a has a very, I guess, you know,
0: weird, cursed reflection of Ocarina of Time, <laughs> but uh, sim- similar energy. For me, I think the one that I'll pick, it might not be my final answer, but the one that I'm going to pick right now is the Temple of Time. Um, mm. I think the Temple of Time feels so so important and so grandiose when you're there. Uh, Obviously it's like hugely important to the story and is beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that that melding of the atmosphere of the place being visual and auditory, like really coalesces in what I think of as Ocarina of time now walking away from it. Um, I think the temple of time is like representative of how I feel about the rest of the game. Cause th- this, like this intangible, feeling that i keep trying to put words to that i'm talking about that this game feels like a myth that you get to play out really is like all focused through a magnifying glass into the temple of time
1: i also love the lead up to it like you're in hyrule market and you hear that festive music and the sound of the crowd and someone's like chasing a chicken and you know people are singing and laughing yeah and then you walk in the back and then it's like it's just quiet like nature and the outside of the temple and then you go in and you're hit with that choir like that the transition from the busy hustle bustle of just everyday life to like this hugely important place that's just there in the yeah. background—it's so cool. Just stuff like that feels it's so intentional and it and it pays off so well. Yeah. Next question: Call me Arcturus on Tumblr. I hope you guys are calling it toot all episode. Missed opportunity. Oh shit. <laughs> is the shadow temple still as weirdly terrifying as i remember or was i just eight years old also <laughs> your top three zeldas off the cuff ranking please Mine are majora awakening then oracles because i'm hideously pretentious that's a good three i, I don't think you're pretentious you just have good taste that's a, that's a fun list first question uh is the shadow temple as weirdly terrifying as i remember no you're you were right it, it's pretty creepy especially what's kind of implied by it like yeah i, I think the fact that it's sort of this it kind of reminds me of like The Shining where they explain that like this place is haunted because a lot of terrible stuff happened here. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, what the Shadow Temple feels like where it's like this is sort of like the part of Hyrule history no one wants to talk about. Yeah. And you're only kind of given like imagery to imagine what was going on here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, was it like satanic worship? Was it torture? Was it, you know, whatever? And then the enemy is there too. I can't
0: think of too many things that you would use giant spinning scythes for (laughs) other than torture and murder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, no, it's terrifying. Especially Um,
0: the invisible one. Do you remember the invisible one? The big (laughs) invisible scythe.
1: (laughs) i do remember that one although i, I kind of like the uh i don't know why it's so simple but i love the collect all the silver rupee rooms it's just it's like a nice yeah. breeze nice. yeah me too i i had a good time with them it's yeah. like relaxing despite the invisible sights yeah the
0: the big thing is you're always missing one there's always the one like yeah they make it all super straightforward except for the one rupee that they hide somewhere that's like just so annoying i think it's um, because it reminds me of the eight red coins in, in mario 64 it's kind of uh, similar yeah. Um, the the only one that really really got me was I think in Ganon's castle in the fire room specifically that those rupees that you have to get oh, where it's yeah. like if you stand on the platform for too long it sinks you have to like blow up that one spot so it knocks over the statues things like that um, I did figure out that if you wear the hover boots the middle the middle one doesn't go down which is nice.
1: Oh, that's Uh, good. That
0: middle platform, which is super helpful in that in that room. Um, My my thing, just doubling back to the Shadow Temple being scary, is after the bottom of the well. The Shadow Temple was a cakewalk.
1: Yeah, bottom of the well well is is like actually scary, horrifying. Yeah, Shadow Temple feels a little bit like you're at like an amusement park's uh, like (laughs) scary place.
0: I feel like bottom of the well is House of the Dead, and Shadow Temple is Typing of the Dead.
1: I cannot wait to actually talk about those games when we do our Dreamcast episode. Um, uh, and top three Zeldas off the cuff, I would say, uh, if you want it ranked, oh man, I don't think I can do ranked, but I'll do my three favorites, and I think they're all number one for different reasons. Uh, Breath of the Wild, Ocarina of Time, and Wind Waker would be my three uh, at this moment. How about you? Yeah. I think for me, oh shit, A Link Between
0: Worlds, nice Twilight Princess. And I re- I really can't decide between Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild. So I'm just going to put both of them. And I know that's four, but I, uh, say No,
1: me. I mean, I, I think, and we'll probably get to this later, but I really think when you look at Zelda's history, there are clear games that kind of mark a new type of Zelda. Yeah. So you have the first two and they're kind of their own thing, I would say. Then you have Link to the Past and you could argue that like every game from Link to the past to skyward sword is in some ways the same skeleton. Yeah. But I would say if you want to, you know, have more categories here, Link to the past at the foundation for 2d Zeldas, ocarina set the foundation for 3d zeldas and breath of the wild set the foundation for open world zeldas for 4d zeldas for four times all yeah <laughs> no but i mean i think i, yeah. I actually went back and, and revisited breath of the wild for the first time in a while for this episode and it's just a different game like if it wasn't like there's 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 obviously stuff that connects the two thematically i think the fact that like breath of the wild begins with link waking up a hundred years after the calamity is kind of in some ways a heightened version of adult link, you know, like mm. getting out of the temple of time and seeing the world. And in, in the case of breath of the wild, we don't, we're more of a fish out of water. Cause like both link and the player don't remember the past. Whereas in ocarina, like we, we played through it together, you know, and that's something that we kind of lose together. Mm. So there's, there's connections, but I just think like fundamentally, if I want to play, I'm not going to say like, I want to play Zelda. Should I play ocarina or breath of the wild? They're just totally different games. Yeah. So it's hard for me to like put one over the other. My my three is specifically because I feel like, like I also really love, I really love Minish Cap. I really love uh, the Oracle games. I, I really, I mean, I like all, there really isn't as all the game I played that I've disliked. The only one that I could say I wasn't crazy about was a two, but I think they all have something going for them. But Ocarina, I just think means too much for me and, and is like one of the most important games I've played on like a personal level. Breath of the Wild just feels like a moment we all saw like a star being born and Wind Waker is just like my personal favorite take on Zelda like I think that's like if, if you asked me to make a Zelda it would probably end up looking like Wind Waker <laughs> mm. so I just I feel like it, it kind of resonates with me on a more personal level
0: yeah I, um, I feel like on on my end I mean Twilight Princess being the first 3D one that I played really obviously was yeah important Link Between Worlds was the first time that I thought like maybe Twilight Princess won't be my favorite Zelda forever. Wow. Because it was like I just I couldn't believe how good that game was. And then the exact same situation with Breath of the Wild was like it's amazing to me that they made a game that was better than the one I thought was my <laughs> favorite, you know.
1: Even just playing it a bit. Uh, before the episode, I'm like, "How am I not always playing this?" Like yeah. the hardest thing about doing this show is not just playing Breath of the Wild all the time.
0: I told myself when they announced the new one that I would not go back and replay Breath of the Wild until I had played the new one, which has been years at this point. But <laughs> I've just been like dying to play Breath of the Wild again, and I'm really I've been very good about. Restraining myself, but I just, I, I always get so worried about these situations where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn myself out on Breath sure. of the Wild right before this new one comes out and it's not going to hit the same way.
1: Yeah, I get that for sure. Uh, but those are my, those are our three favorites. Uh, next question. That Sly Devlin on Twitter. How do you feel this game compares to its 2d predecessors, particularly a link to the past? What does it do better or worse? So My current hot take (laughs) is that I don't have the same reverence for A Link to the Past as a lot of people. I, I definitely respect the hell out of it because, again, like if you go back and you play Zelda 1 and 2, the fact that they got A Link to the Past so right with like very little foundation for what we now recognize as Zelda, like it's a miracle it's a it's a fantastic game for me personally and this is very subjective but i just think pretty much every 2d game after Link to the past i've preferred the iteration on that formula over like the base game Hmm. so i think i definitely want to go back to it like i i think we've talked about potentially doing a bonus for it one day like i i definitely want to give it another chance um, and I do enjoy it. I just feel like if you were asked me like, do you want to play Link to the Past or Link's Awakening or the Oracle Games? Like I would lean towards the others. Yeah. So you're asking, you know, what does this game do better than? than A Link to the Past. I'm going to also just include the other 2D games just because it's only that if we include the the games that predate Ocarina. I think what Ocarina does well, and I guess by extension all 3D Zeldas can sort of do this well, is that they can really be a little bit more cinematic. I think there's a focus on narrative and atmosphere in Ocarina that isn't really there in a lot of the 2D ones. Like, There's definitely a mood and a vibe in A Link to the Past um, and there's some cool stuff going on narratively in some of those games, but like it, it's it's night and day in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's, I don't think the 2D Zeldas are as interested in really exploring themes and sort of moments in storytelling the way the 3D games are. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that's like the big separation for me. I think as a game, they can just take advantage of verticality and space in more meaningful ways for the puzzles, which I think is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the ones that really break that mold are Minish Cap, which has like yeah. surprisingly really great, ambiently rich dungeons Absolutely. For, a, for a 2D game, which is really surprising. And then Link Between Worlds, which I think is an outlier in every regard, Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, even in its verticality because of the stereoscopic 3d which is totally wild. um one of the interesting things that I, I feel like is worth bringing up that i i learned um in the lead up to this episode uh speaking about how this game compares to a link to the past is that this game actually started as an experiment to see if they could turn a link to the past into a 3d game oh no way on the n64 wow. um and then they were like this should be a different game and not just a link to the past uh, and there it is Um, But it's interesting that you say that this game or or A Link to the Past was kind of like the bedrock for a lot of the 2D Zeldas and like what Zelda should be. And then Ocarina of Time is the bedrock for all the 3D Zeldas because weirdly A Link to the Past is also the bedrock for Ocarina of Time. So in a way, everything from A Link to the Past until Skyward Sword was all the one era of Zelda in a way
1: yeah oh absolutely i mean they all are following the same i said that earlier in terms of them all kind of having the same skeleton yeah but i do think there's there's definitely like i think because we've seen the influence individuals all the games have had i do think that there is a little bit of a distinction between the 2d and 3d ones but you're totally right i mean up until breath of the wild every game was what if we just experimented more with a link to the past right (laughs) which i mean this kind of shows how what a foundational game that is yeah. Uh, moving on. Albatross the Soup on Tumblr. Octarina is a surprisingly melancholy game. To me, it contains rich themes about growing up and leaving your childhood behind. How intentional do you think these themes and moods were by the developers, or do you think they came about by accident? Knowing Nintendo, it's easy to imagine a very dry development where gameplay comes first and everything else is secondary. But I think there has to be some artistic intention behind the feelings this game makes me feel. I'm going to link to the past
0: uh i'm I'm actually very literally (laughs) that was uh, great i i will link to a youtube video that i think is absolutely worth watching which is a gdc talk that shigeru miyamoto gave in 1999 uh like right after this game came out just about his process for making games um and how his process from way back in the early nes era in the arcade era Up through Ocarina of Time like never really changed. He's always kind of had the same process in terms of like pulling inspiration from his life. And there is similarly a lot of reporting and interviews with him about how a lot of this game came from uh, his relationship with spirituality and his and and religion, uh, because he grew up next to a really famous shrine. Um, and incorporated a lot of the themes of, of that shrine into Ocarina of Time specifically. So as much as this game, I think, is very intentionally an exploration of childhood and the idea of, of seeing things through the eyes of a child and as an adult and, and the loss that being a hero can, can bring upon you as a person, there is also a lot of exploration of faith. Um, and his faith oh, yeah. specifically in a really fascinating way. And it, uh, that's a thing that for me is a little bit lost in translation because I don't know the ins and outs of, of I think it's the Shinto religion. But uh, apparently, if you read the game through that lens, it's deeply, deeply rich with that kind of stuff, uh, which is really
2: cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things about Ocarina is sort of the tellings of creation myths by a variety of different characters. And also the fact that like you will often hear stories from characters multiple times and there might be like a different retelling from a certain character so I, all I to say I, I think between that talk existing and like just the, the text of the game itself I do think that all of this is very intentional I do think that there's a lot open to interpretation but I think that's also purposeful alongside the the intentional themes of it it's too hard to make games to not be intentional about them yeah right i also think like even if there wasn't like a lot of dialogue backing up these themes the fact that like significant a significant amount of people walked away from this game with with the same ideas means that it was intentional on some level
0: also pretty famously miyamoto changed a lot of the story like two or three months before the game was done to i i think imbue it with more themes on that level which is interesting Um, but I, I just saw that as a piece of interesting development history.
1: I'm trying to find I took a picture of my favorite chic poem time passes people move like a river's flow it never ends a childish mind will turn to noble ambition young love will become deep affection the clear water's surface reflects growth. So when you have a poem like that just sort of thrown into the middle of a game, I feel like you know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, cool. Moving on to the next question. Chase Allhart on Twitter. Just curious how Ocarina of Time's approach to storytelling lands for you two. It seems like other Zelda games do a bit more telling where this game does a lot of showing. Do you prefer that or does something with a little bit more exposition like Wind Waker land better for you? Thanks. Good question. I think it depends. I think there's a place for both. I think like on one hand, you know, if we're just talking about like the styles of writing in games, like you and I both adore Mass Effect, which is like a very not subtle dialogue driven game. Mm -hmm. But we also love Eco, which is about as like hands off you can be while still telling a story. Right. So I think it really depends on the it depends on the intended experience. I think Ocarina it, for what it's going for the the style of storytelling I think really really works. But I also adore Wind Waker for the exact opposite reasons. Like I like that Wind Waker is more interested in character in some ways than in ideas. And it's more about like it, you know Wind Waker is like okay Ocarina happened what if, like, a bunch of weirdos who were born, like, 200 years later, like, had to suddenly be thrust into those roles, you know? I like both styles is really what I'm saying. Um, I don't think one is fundamentally better than the other. I think it just depends on the style of game.
2: Mm.
0: I, think, I think I like how loose it is in Ocarina of Time, and I think yeah. that's kind of one of the things that I'm going to be... I think that's one of the things I'm walking away from this experience really connecting with and really seeking, I think, in other experiences with other Zelda games going forward, because I think I think the more you lean into exposition in these games, the less there is up to interpretation. Um, and I think yeah. the interpretation is kind of part of the magic of Ocarina of Time to me.
1: Yeah, I think the style of storytelling here reminds me so much of, of a game I've mentioned already, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. And I feel like those three games feel so mythical and so important because they are comfortable and confident with what's there. It's like, we know what we're saying directly and the rest is up to you. And I think that shows a lot of confidence in the writing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Moving on to the next question. Tori, as always on Twitter, I have so many thoughts, but one, did y'all do the shadow temple or spirit temple first? Can next, you do them in a different order? Yeah. you. So technically you can do things while they out of order if you leave the temples after getting the key item. But the big ones you can do in either order are the fire and water temple. You can go to either one before the other. Whoa. Um, and the shadow and spirit temple you can do in either order. All you need is the lens of truth. So as long as you do the, uh, the bottom of the well, you can wow. then go to the game kind of nudges you to the shadow temple because like, yeah, Impa goes off and then you do the well and then you have to go. But if you have already played the game, you can get the Lens of Truth and then just go right to the desert and Mm. do all that. And what's interesting is that the Order of the Medallions, even though the game nudges you to the Shadow Temple first, the Order of the Medallions would actually make more sense if you did the Spirit before Shadow. Mm. Um, I just think doing Shadow right before Ganon's castle might be a little bit too morose. <laughs> a little bleak. You know, yeah. I think I think it's kind of fun to get like a <laughs> dose of optimism before you do the final trial. Yeah. So I did Shadow first. Uh, the next question from Tori is always how well do you see a game like this getting a modern remake slash doesn't need one? And then the next question, do you feel like the formula in this game hindered the Zelda series pre-Breath of the Wild or established a good blueprint? These are all very good questions.
0: Yeah. Um, that second one, I, I think I, I already mentioned this, but I really wish the 3DS version existed on the Switch. I did feel frequently while playing this game that I would love a remake of it, which is not a thing I'm usually going to bat for. Usually I would rather just have the original, but there are so many things in this game that I would love to see. And in, in the same way, I imagine everyone who played Final Fantasy VII wanted a remake. Yeah. I, I would love to see this game kind of in all the glory that we see things like breath of the wild, especially even playing something like the Metroid prime remake right now, while that's out is like, Kind of throwing fuel on the fire for me of wanting to see Ocarina of Time get uh some kind of treatment like that. I would love that, especially. I mean, look, there's a interesting energy. You've you brought this up on the show before, but the the idea that like Breath of the Wild was supposed to be the end of the timeline, and now there's a sequel coming after that, and what does that mean? You know, if all these timelines are converging and then ending, I feel like the question of what you do after the Zelda timeline ends, you could put that off for a little bit, you
1: know, and just re-release <laughs> Ocarina of Time you leave everyone on that question and then just remake remake ocarina time. Hunt, right like why not <laughs> so for me i feel like if they if they were committed to doing a remake of ocarina i mean like you i would love just to see like a high fidelity production yes of of ocarina on the stage or on the screen give it to me <laughs> i would love a stage production that's i want a musical let's be yeah. real oh my
0: god could you imagine Ganondorf's song playing the <laughs>
1: organ? out of the darkness uh but anyway the idea of, like, I think the 3DS one is about as, like, good of a remaster as, as you can get in terms of, like, preserving how the original looked and sounded. But there are obviously some aesthetic choices, but, like, or aesthetic differences, but but overall, that game comes pretty close to just being, like, here's how it was, yeah. 64 with, like, a few dials turned around. So, like, I'm open for anything. I, I would be curious if they just, like took an ff7 remake approach and just were like what if we did like the same beats of the journey but like new dungeons you know more of an mm. open world Like I, i'm curious as, like if you just took sort of the spirit of the game and and put it in a different style of zelda yeah i would be open to seeing that because I, I i feel good about like i'm glad that this game exists in multiple formats we have the 3ds version we have the ship of harkinian mm-hmm. i'm glad it's been like ported forward so i'm kind of just like open to whatever they want to do with it at this point like (laughs) not to be sacrilegious but i'm just like yeah like i i would love to see this in in a in a new way yeah there are
0: enough well-preserved versions of it that like, if you're gonna go and say you're gonna do it then it doesn't hurt the fact that all
2: the other stuff still exists and is accessible yeah
1: uh the next question, uh or the third question here from Tori, did you feel the formula in this game hindered the Zelda series Pre-Breath of the Wild or establish a good blueprint? That's a really great question. And I feel like I've heard this argument both ways. I yeah, this is this is a tough one. So I feel like I remember the sentiment I think it really came to surface with Skyward Sword. Yeah. That was like the first Zelda game. It like was bubbling in Twilight princess, but that game was like well liked enough that it, it wasn't like a serious conversation. Right. But by the time Skyward Sword came out, I feel like there was this feeling of like, okay, like are we really just going to do this every time? Like, and it's kind of a weird thing to say because again, like from Ocarina to Majora to Wind Waker to Twilight Princess, like even though Twilight Princess is in some ways, Ocarina again, in mm-hmm. spirit all of those games have a very distinct sense of identity and right. and their focus on different things so it's not like they were just sort of like copy and pasting zelda even though the skeleton was the same but i, I do think that like at a certain point you know it, it started to sort of feel like it happens with some nintendo series and it's interesting to see like weirdly enough like mario is one of the more experimental ones like Mario rarely stays the same like when there's a new mainline Mario game they often take pretty big swings with it whereas Zelda I think for a while even though Majora and Wind Waker and Todd Princess are very different in spirit there they are iterations on on a foundational game you know they're Mm -hmm. like we just said earlier like in some ways, this goes back to link to the past. So, ultimately, to answer your question, I do think Ocarina was a good blueprint, and I think now that we had Breath of the Wild, like I think in a in a timeline where Breath of the Wild didn't come out and we just got like another like Skyward Sword two or something, I think then there would be like people being like, we we really have to change the formula here. I think yeah. Breath of the Wild came out at the perfect time, and honestly, at this point, now that you know the mainline Zelda series is clearly moving in that direction. I know of a lot of people who honestly prefer the more authored games, you know, friends of mine who maybe aren't as into the open world aspect prefer this sort of like linear authored experience of games like Ocarina. So I think there's a huge place for both. And I'm glad, mm. I'm glad the series hasn't stayed beholden to this, but I'm really glad that like they're keeping all forms of Zelda alive, even the top down ones. So I, I think that, I think that in a perfect world, we have everything. I mean, yeah, the 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 run of this kind
0: of game that Ocarina of Time kind of set up wasn't even that long, really, in retrospect, right? Like, I mean, it was in terms of years between all these releases, but in terms of the actual output and the amount of games that we have, right, it's, it's not that many. And I feel like having what Ocarina Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword... That's five games. It was like a great run of five games for the most part, you know, like Skyward Sword being probably the weakest of all of them. And even that one is still pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we got it. Honestly, I'm happy that that was the era. Uh, and I'm happy that that was the era that I was like playing video games in, uh, or like, you know, in high school at least. Yeah. I liked it. And I, I'm honestly, I think. Weirdly enough, I am going I I feel personally that I will grow weary of the breath of the wild thing faster than I would this weirdly yeah. enough. I think like if they make a third breath of the wild that's very similar to the first one, I think I'm going to be like,
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's it for me. It, it's interesting cuz I feel like when you ask most people like what do you want to see in breath of the wild 2, a very common answer is like we want temples again, we want dungeons again. Yes. And I think it really worked to, like, you know, the shrines, I think, were a really great idea for Breath of the Wild and for the open structure. But I Mm -hmm. think, like, unanimously, the weakest part of that game were the divine beasts. Like, the moments of Breath of the Wild where they do feel like they have to do the Zelda stuff, they're almost, like, annoyed to do it. And it's like, I don't know, here. We'll have to see what this new one shapes up to be. We're expecting it to be an iteration, but there's a chance there could be, like, a wild new idea here that once again changes what Zelda could be. So Totally. I'm optimistic for the future of the series, but I think you're right that that style could potentially be more limiting because I think open world design is, is hard to pull off and it's in some ways too. like as much as breath of the wild is an incredible game and has become like the modern blueprint for open world games, even outside of Zelda in a lot of ways. I, I do think, you know, coming right from Ocarina, I think about like that lead up to confronting Ganon meant so much seeing him playing the organ and toying with me. This Mm -hmm. whole journey has been leading up to this moment. Breath of the Wild is a simulation about putting off the fight with Ganon as long as possible to enjoy (laughs) cooking and climbing mountains. And it's just like, I do really love the narrative of that game. I think the hidden memories is probably the best part because that's where the sense of exploration is perfectly intertwined Mm -hmm. with the narrative. And I actually really love the ending as well. But the actual confrontation with Ganon feels a little bit anticlimactic because if you've done everything you can and if you're enjoying the game and playing it even past what you have to do you're just going to obliterate him and feel like oh well i'd rather just keep playing the game right. so yeah, i yeah. I do see where you're coming from there yeah uh cool next question Silverhanded on discord what's your favorite song link can play on the ocarina do you got one song of storms easily yeah that's that's mine too i also kind of like uh the serenade of water uh, da, 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 da. I don't know why that one's always, always stuck in my head. Mm. Um, maybe because I have trauma with the water temple. I've been
0: I've been singing the song of storms pretty much all week, <laughs> in like every free
1: moment.
0: It's um, it's an awesome one. And my partner Persia keeps mishearing me as singing the Game of Thrones theme song, so the Game of Thrones theme song has been stuck in her head all week.
1: I also, I mean, sorry, a song is a classic too. One yeah. of my favorites. Yeah, as yeah well. really good. Biscuit on Discord. Favorite dungeons? Do you like any aesthetically, but not mechanically? Ah, uh, here we are. Um, I really like how the temples feel like they once had another purpose. The Forest Temple feels like an old mansion, and the Shadow Temple seems to have been a literal prison, dungeon, or torture chamber. Mm. Overall, the world feels like it has a rich history you'll never really know about. Was there anything that caught your eye and made you speculate about the culture and history of Hyrule? And then, as a follow-up, hit us with your most far-fetched Zelda game theories, TM. <laughs> Yeah, I I think the bit that
0: you and Biscuit have mentioned about the Shadow Temple is like fascinating, like yeah. really interesting stuff.
1: I never made the connection that the Forest Temple kind of has like a mansion, like the one percent lived here at one point. Uh, you know, there's rooms with like paintings, and even the yeah the lead up to Phantom Ganon's fight is like this like museum, like there's like it's like fancy, right? And this like the courtyard and stuff. Yeah, I I, I like that. I mean, it's very mysterious. My favorite dungeon, if I had to choose, I think Spirit Temple overall, just pound for pound, is, is a lot of fun. Mm. I also like that it involves... I, I, I do kind of feel like the going back and being a kid for a bit was like a little bit underutilized, but yeah. I, I think it's very meaningful when it is used. And uh, yeah, I mean, Water Temple has been the surprise uh, comeback here. Like <laughs> I, I, I've been totally flipped about how I feel about the Water Temple. I like them all aesthetically, honestly. I think that's like... Across the board, they're all really interesting and cool. Mm. I would say top three would be uh, Spirit, Forest, and and the Deku Tree, I think, are Mm. my favorite dungeons. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, I think my favorite is the Deku Tree still. Yeah, Um, Yeah, it's awesome. I I think it's just so brilliant in so many different ways. Um, I mean, nothing about the lore or anything, just, I I think, like, mechanically, teaching people how to play a 3D adventure game, the Deku Tree is, like, up there with 1-1 in Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think it's really amazing. I'm trying to think if I have any uh, weird Zelda theories. I'll I'll say my I mean, I think I might have mentioned this in the the Nintendo Direct episode. This is unrelated to Ocarina of Time, really, I guess. But I do think that Tears of the Kingdom is going to be a culmination of all the Zelda games. um, Mm. Because we're obviously getting a lot of Twilight Princess stuff already. There's been a lot of speculation about that. It's kind of evident in a lot of the iconography of that game. But one of the more recent trailers, or I think it was the most recent trailer has like a panning through a bunch of enemies and some of them are breath of the wild enemies. There's reded in there from Ocarina oh God. and there's uh wind waker enemies in there also. And like, oh, cool. what does that mean? Okay. So we're like getting actually, you know, if, if they're saying that all three of the timelines as silly as it sounds converge into breath of the wild. Like we're actually seeing maybe the result of that in a way. Yeah. Um, and as I was talking about, I think in, in our Nintendo direct episode, but like the, the multiversal, Pop culture renaissance that we're having right now um kind of lends itself to that hypothetically. So I'd, I'd be very interested to see w- what that means. And I'm even more interested to know what that means when it's over. Yeah. Because if this is the end of the timeline, like Skyward Sword up at the top, Tears of the Kingdom at the bottom, like where does Zelda go from there? I'm, I'm yeah. so curious about that.
1: Yeah, I cannot wait. I also don't know if I have any uh big theories in my head. I feel like the weirdest thing I knew was then just confirmed canon with the timeline stuff. That used to be like my fun party trick was I knew about the Zelda timeline. I think one of the really interesting things about Twilight Princess is there's a cutscene I remembered about like speculation of like what if Link was evil in one timeline? Like what if the reincarnation of Courage just like chose to either be neutral or at worst be evil like what this would be is my the dream in the world and yeah. I, I think like something about flipping the roles a bit i think would be really interesting yeah you know
0: power doesn't always mean evil right, right. like it, does, it doesn't have to mean evil wisdom can mean evil courage can also mean evil like i i would love to see some kind of flip on that on that
1: something i really love about uh, avatar the last airbender is how all the elements all the elements of bending have like kind of an evil version of them. Mm -hmm. I think you can do that with, with the Triforce as well, because all the goddesses were good. Like Din was a, was a benevolent goddess. She -hmm. wasn't like, I can't wait for Ganondorf to show up and kick things off. Right. and, And what Ocarina is trying to say is that like power on its own is not enough to rule and is, is only going to corrupt. Like you mm. need to have, yeah. but you can't just have the other people in your room and crystals as you play the organ. You actually have to work together. Yeah. And Ganon's personification in all the games is interesting. Like in Ocarina, he's very much a villain and he's very much a man. Like I always got a sense that like Ganondorf is the person and Ganon is like the evil force within him mm-hmm. um, or that corrupts him from, you know the power part of the Triforce and Ganon is like just a pure force in Breath of the Wild not even a character just like the personification of like evil yeah so I'm just wondering if like there's potential for like the mortal version of that force to be good or at least like work together with them against a greater threat yeah like Zant I yeah. don't know if Zant has what it takes to be the big bad. No, I don't think, but so, I'm either. not against it. I'm not against there being like a threat that actually makes the Triforce reunite, which would yeah. be. I mean, if the Triforce is created by the three goddesses ascending, it would be cool for everything to end with like kind of an inversion of that. You mm-hmm.
0: know, my my on brand Ocarina theory. I'll just reiterate is that Rauru is uh, is Link's dad. <laughs> I like that, honestly. If all the sages are dead and have ascended and wow. raru has already ascended you know and and has the ability i guess to show up as this owl every once in a while but is like guiding link into adulthood i, th- I think i think that's a valid read and that's gonna be my that's that's gonna be my headcanon and my in my theory that i'm gonna put out in the world
1: <laughs> i love that and it's also kind of mirrored by this link's eventual fate and taught princess mm-hmm. and sort of being the owl in that game yeah that's I, I think that's a great theory i love that
0: apparently there's a manga about his mom did you know that Really? No, I, I didn't know that. There's like an Ocarina of Time manga that Nintendo released that's like deeply, deeply considered to not be canon anymore. <laughs>
1: I gotta read it now. Yeah. I'm even more curious. It seems fascinating. Zach Hessler on Twitter, as someone who hasn't played more traditional JRPGs as a child, the journey for the Biggeron Sword was my first secret side quest with a big reward. What's your opinion on this series of fetch quests at the time? And how much in- how much influence do you believe it had on other games? Hmm. I love the big R on sword quest. It blew my mind. It almost feels satirical. Yeah. It, it it feels like a parody of of quests like this, but it's yeah. so worth doing. It's
0: so funny that it is a satire of it, considering it's like one of the earlier examples of this kind of <laughs> quest. And it's already like, yeah, we know this is dumb. And then I feel like other games took that ball and ran from it, but forgot the satire.
1: I mean, I feel like the closest parallel is uh, Knights of the Round Table and FF7 yeah. with Breeding a Golden Chocobo. Both right. of those are like, If you can commit to this wild quest that has seemingly no payoff, you'll get the most broken thing in the game. Yeah. The thing about the Big Oron sword quest is
0: it contains multitudes because it's, it can be so silly and so funny, but also includes that guy who dies in the Lost Woods.
1: Yeah. Who runs away from
0: home in Kakariko village and then turns into a Stalfos, uh, really sad um yeah but also contains a bit where you need to take the big-eyed frog uh to a, somebody who's going to turn it into a potion and in all of those situations you need to do it within a certain time limit which to be clear i never knew that there was going to be a time limit to any of the steps of the big or on sword quest um and every time the clock showed up it immediately made me lose my mind like i was so <laughs> scared every time because it's so frequently like you need to go from a place that you're at to another place that you know of and you've been to before, but you've never had to go between those two spaces before. And you've definitely never needed to do it on a time limit. So anytime they're like, yeah, go from um, the Zora's Domain to Lon, Lon Ranch to the Temple of Time uh, in a minute and a half. It's like, wh- that's impossible.
1: <laughs> but it's not. It's it's very possible. I feel like the Breath of the Wild version of the Big Ron Sword is actually Town. now that I think about it. It's like sort of this like... Mm. It's very different thematically, but I think it yeah. is that kind of like sort of humorous, long side quest that gives you like a very bird's eye view of the world. Right. Um. I, I love the Big Ron Sword quest. I also think this clearly... <laughs> also might have shown up in Dark Souls a bit. I feel like every quest in Elden Ring is kind of a bigger on Sword Quest uh, in terms of what you have to do to see the next thing. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's a really delicate balance because again, I think sometimes if it's so unclear what to do next, it can be frustrating but I do think a certain element it's like it's like a strong spice it is a little bit of this it does make the world feel richer Mm -hmm. like it is kind of fun to have something that isn't just a dot on the map that you know exactly what it's going to do like it's fun just to run into someone and be like oh my god there's a whole thing here i didn't know was there that is really special yeah ld on twitter as someone who has never played the game and has always wanted to what recommendations do you have that would make the playthrough most enjoyable Hopefully we answered
0: this earlier on and you didn't just hear all of the <laughs> hours of spoilers that we went through.
1: Uh, I'll just reiterate, go to that IGN guide. It's really good. Next up, Jason C and discord. This is the first game environment. I remember just wanting to exist in. Do you guys have a favorite quiet spot in the game to just sit and vibe for a while? Yeah.
0: Um, we <laughs> I do actually uh, weirdly enough in between the steps to Kakariko village and the entrance to Zora's Domain. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit where, like, the the earth kind of, like, curves up, and there's a little fenced area up above the river. And more than once, I just kind of, like, sat there for a little bit until it became nighttime, and then I would play the sun song, and then it would become daytime. But um, I just – I had that open just on my desk every once in a while, and I would just listen to music there.
1: Yeah, I I love being in any of the towns, like Hyrule Market, uh, Kakariko Village – but I think um, something about the river leading to Zoro's domain, where the guy is eating magic beans. I've always loved that area for some reason. It's, it's great, kind of yeah. It's a nice middle ground between like I don't need to worry about skeletons coming out of the ground on Hyrule <laughs> Field, but like there's enough danger here. It just feels very alive and very busy. Yeah. Um, and I like that there's just like a random dude trying to sell you beans there. It's just it's just very strange, but I yeah I feel we- weirdly attached to it.
0: One place that I wish I liked more, and I and I don't, and this honestly feels like ripe right for them to absolutely knock it out of the park in a remake if they ever do one, um, is Lon Lon Ranch. Oh I, yeah, I I wish that that place was a little bit more filled out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I I love it and I love the characters there, but like once you've won the race, there's not like a ton to do. It's just it's really big and a lot of it's uh.
0: A lot of its areas of interest are all condensed to just right when you walk in. You know? Yeah,
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's <laughs> Lon Lon Ranch is like the gold saucer potential for a remake where it's like they're just yeah. going to go crazy with this. It's going to be great.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, okay, and this is the last question. This is from Rufus in the Discord. Breath of the Wild is a pretty big shakeup in the Zelda series, especially to the rut it found itself in post Ocarino Time. It's admittedly a pretty great rut for a series to find itself in. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the term rut, but I know what you're saying. That being said, what's one thing, and it can't be dungeons, <laughs> that you'd bring from Ocarina of Time into Tears of the Kingdom? Lon Lon Ranch. It can, <laughs> <laughs> it can be a mechanic, vibe, a character, or whatever.
0: I think one of the things that Breath of the Wild is missing that you and I have said many times on the show is one of the pieces of Zelda that we consider to be like part of that skeletal structure is the traversal between worlds yeah um specifically like minish cap between being big or small or in ocarina of time being young or being old or linked to the past or linked between world i mean there's so many examples because that i feel like is one of the staples of zelda that every once in a while just like doesn't exist in a zelda game and i always miss it when it's not there yeah um like in wind waker uh skyward sword um and I think Tears of the Kingdom is trying to do that in a way. It seems like with the verticality, it seems like they're trying to do kind of like a sky loft and then a high rule and hypothetically also underground. If we're to believe that that first trailer also indicates that you can go underground. And I, I'm interested in that. I hope, I hope that they bring that back in some way. Um, but the, the traversal back and forth between different worlds, I think is, uh, is really fascinating and, and a, and a cool part of Zelda. Twilight princess has
1: the twilight realm, obviously, um, being the dog etc i i think what i would bring i definitely think you're onto something with with the dual worlds and like that that's kind of done with majora's mask with the transformation masks like being like deku link or goron link and like Mm. how people treat you and talk to you it it does change sort of the perspective of the game
0: right yeah it's it's like ocarina of time like seeing the seeing the same world through different eyes yeah right it means a different lived experience yeah
1: um But I think what I would bring is playing Ocarina uh, playing Breath of the Wild. I think it really works for the game's structure that you're given like the remote bombs and stasis and the ice power like from the beginning and then you're just set free. But I do really miss the like specialty items you get from a dungeon. Yeah. So I would bring back like finding items that give you a new ability that are like permanent additions. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if I need everything to be in the Sheikah tablet, which I expect they'll probably do again, because I think it does work well for the open structure of the game. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind there being like, because a lot of stuff you find in Breath of the Wild, the permanent stuff is the equipment, but then all the weapons are temporary because they all have varying durabilities. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind there being like something you find that is like almost sort of Metroidvania-y. It's like now you can do this new thing. I think the the closest they came in Breath of the Wild was all the abilities you got from the Divine Beasts. I wouldn't mind, like, more versions of that, but, like, items that I have to find. That would be yeah. really cool for me.
0: Yeah, i if they end up going the route of reintroducing, like, real actual temples and dungeons in, the, in that game, I would hope that they would come hand-in-hand hand with some kind of reward like that.
1: Yeah, and maybe, like, they're not required for traversal, but maybe they just make things easier. You yeah, know, like, that, right. would be, that would be really cool. So, yeah. give me back the boogie board corkscrew thing from Twilight Princess. Smaller secondary answer be cool it'd be cool if you could play music and yeah that's a big one I think music I mean you have that is weirdly kind of drop because it's in I think it was in Link's Awakening first technically then Ocarina of Time Majora you have a variety of instruments Wind Waker you have the baton mm-hmm. and then I think it's just gone after that yeah bring back music bring back music hyrule needs a little bit of music i would love to play the accordion with cass the bird bar oh shit yeah <laughs> make me play like a hurdy-gurdy make it difficult i would oh, love that oh my god that'd be awesome yeah yeah anyway that's so well, it's uh, items music and dual worlds that's, that, i think those are good answers and a hurdy-gurdy yeah and a hurdy-gurdy
0: <laughs> that's the dual which world which you can relate yeah <laughs> <It's a> Dual
1: <laughs> world. hurdy and gurdy those are the names of the worlds and that's a wrap This has been a really long one. I don't even know how long this episode is. This might be like Games of the Decade length. (laughs) We've been here for days. We've been here for seven years. I've been in the Chamber of Sages. I'm just so happy that we got a chance to talk about this game. I'm really happy you finally got a chance to play it and that you enjoyed it as much as you did.
0: The quest continues. I feel like there are all of these games that I need to play to be able to continue hosting this podcast. (laughs) Uh, And Ocarina of Time was one
2: of them.
1: You're at least caught up with my childhood. I mean, we've done FF7, we've done Ocarina of Time, we've done Chrono Trigger. Although Chrono Trigger was a little bit later for me, but even still like I think whatever we do next, we're now kind of on even footing. Like we're both we've both exited our childhood and are now adult link looking for the hooks. So you got to do one of my games next, is that what you're saying? Oh. Yeah, I got to do Blinks the Time Sweeper next. You got to do Burnout 3 Takedown. I would love to do Burnout 3 Takedown. Okay. Car of Time. <laughs> um, sorry. hey thank you so much for listening into the cast out online you know the drill and uh, I'll always be your friend which is what Saria says at the end of the forest temple that's nice yeah thank you all so much for listening uh, go
0: play Ocarina of Time it's a really good video go game. play Ocarina of Time it's pretty good uh, Steven and I have been recording for 12 hours today so uh...
1: <laughs> this might be might be a different energy but hey
0: yeah uh, so I'm 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 going to go to sleep. But uh I hope I hope you enjoyed this one and uh goodbye.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: See ya. <laughs>